Ladies and gentlemen, here we are, Real Deal Talk, with <laughs> my gal, Angela Brannon. Yo. Now, with I... Brandon Baptiste. Now, sorry. Oh, gee. Know. Oh, Wayne. Sorry, bro. No, it's Wayne. okay. Wayne's her husband. That's Wayne's last name. My bad, dude. Can I give you a fun fact, though, about that? Give it to me. The reason why I had to hyphenate my name is because Wayne, my most wonderful husband in the whole world, his younger sister, her first and middle name is Angela Marie. Are you serious? So I have the same name as her. So I what? had to hyphenate. And another fun fact, my husband's name is Wayne. My father and my brother, who are both in heaven, their middle name is Wayne. Get out of here. I didn't God. know this. I swear. That's incredible. Yeah, it gave me chills when I first met him. That's insane. I knew. It was like one of those, ooh, you know. That is insane. And we were at your wedding. Yeah. <clears throat> and I was just telling um, my daughter, Jacqueline, because every night I put her to bed since, she, you know, the, the, my viewers at this point, if you know me, I, I think I tell this a lot. I put my kids to bed every night. It's the one thing I do every bit since they've been born. And last night, so she'll ask what I'm doing the next day. What are you doing tomorrow? And I give her the lineup. All right, I'm shooting a podcast. And then she won't let me move on. And then I'll start, okay, then I'm going to work. Or no, I'm going to cryotherapy. She goes, no, wait, wait, who, who are you interviewing? I said, well, I'm interviewing Angela Brand. Who's that? I said, she's the president of the charity that we're part of. Uh, it's all about the kids. Well, what's that all about? So she starts asking all these questions. I said, actually, you were at her wedding. She goes, I was? I said, yeah, you were the only kid allowed at her wedding. She goes, what do you mean? I said, because you were so well-behaved, and such a sweet little girl, you were the only child at that entire wedding. She goes, I was? Oh my gosh, she was so excited about that. This literally happened last night. <laughs> All the other kids were, we had to have them leave. <laughs> and then we said, we don't want you and Rachel to go because she's so adorable. She's not running around no, like a little no. monster. She was so adorable. <laughs> she just stood there and she was so cute. She was absolutely adorable, yeah. and then you guys were dancing, and then she was dancing with people. Yeah, and we didn't want her to ever. I mean, we didn't want her to leave, yeah. not at all. Um, no, it was, and we have such cute pictures. And then it's yeah. been an honor to watch your little mini me's grow I up. Know. It's incredible, you know. And it? I've got <clears throat> it'll come up in Facebook memories, and I've got yeah. pictures yeah. of her growing up, and then her then at the baby shower. Yeah, you know, and uh, and then you know, little mini me Johnny. It, it, oh my gosh, my guy! So it's been fun to watch. It's is been it, fun to watch. I know, mean, I, I knew you when you were single. Yeah. You after, you know, uh, when you met Rachel, when you got married, then one kid, a second one. And, you know, I'm waiting, you know, if you keep going to some of my parties and having so much fun, you never know. You might have a third. <laughs> yeah, we may. We actually, we may have a third on the way from this past weekend. Well, you know, and I can take credit a, for that. That was such a rocking party. It's all you. Listen, that will be the second conception at one of my parties. <laughs> The first one was in the grotto at the Playboy Mansion. Oh, God, here we go. I had go. a couple that uh, conceived their You're... child and came back and told me the next year. Are you we serious? We conceived our child in the grotto. We planned it, everything. Stop our child it. was born. Stop we have this. a son. Stop it. Swear to you. Okay, so we're going to get into this now. We're yes. going to go back and we're going to talk about the Playboy Mansion. Oh, Yay. no. How many hours do we have? I don't know. Not enough. <laughs> we're going to be here for a while. Not enough. <laughs> all right, so Angela and I, all right, let's get into it. How did we, how did we meet? We were trying to, we were going to start retracing the steps before the interview, but, but whenever I talk to my guests, I'm like, no, 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 Don't tell me anything else because I like to do this on the air. How far back is it? 15 years we've been a part nice. of the charity. Okay. 90s. So we go further back yeah, than that. you don't remember. Because oh, I met gosh. you originally for a minute oh, boy. through Edward Evans. Edward Evans. Oh, over boy. Over 
uh, Pure Platinum. Pure Platinum. Mm. And those days, and uh, I was running my coffee cart when I met Edward in the gas lamp. Yeah. And he would come by the cart with this entourage of people, you know, and then finally became friends. Women. Men and women. Okay. The doormen. Yeah. The day shift, because he worked day shift and he'd stay for a while. And then everybody, I mean, everyone was all dressed up. Yeah. And guys were in suits and they would go down to East Street Alley or down right. to uh, Club 66. And yes. he would come by my coffee cart and I'd be like, whoa, yeah. <clears throat> so through those days, I had met you. And then you left that and started your furniture business. And so, what, did we actually meet at Pure Platinum? Yeah. Because you were working the door. You were there. You were somewhere. You were there. You weren't working the door. You were there. I was there. You were there. Well, we know I was there. You were there because everybody was there. Yeah. This was the 90s. Um, the, the strip clubs and, and Pure Platinum and, and Pacers and all that, it was a whole different world it in was. the 80s and yeah. the 90s. It was not looked upon as somewhere that was bad or That's dirty. Correct. It was a social place. It was a social hangout. People did business there. It, there was You could have every walk of life in the clubs back then. Um, including very successful businessmen that would come do business. I'll tell you what, the, the Pure Platinum over by the airport was full of Japanese businessmen who yes. would come into town and they would be downtown for business and they would, Morton's, all the, all the, straight, you know, the state clubs and yep. all that, all, everybody would end up at Platinum after. That's so true. But you're, you're right about not this. Not now. I mean, I don't know what no. it's like now. I'm not involved in any of that now. I mean, because I'm just, you know, it's not part of my life, but... Yeah, yeah but I made some of the most incredible connections. You and I met there. Yeah, and when I first oh started gosh. the charity, when I started Parting for a Purpose as my business, I used to have tour drives at the clubs, at the strip clubs, and oh, I say? we called it Tits for Toys, and all of the customers would come and bring toys, and we'd let them in for free, and I had endless toys and endless money. Unbelievable amounts of money would come from the strip clubs wow. back then. Because they would just hand us over money and say, we don't want any publicity. We don't yeah. need any publicity. Just go take the kids to the to the um, the hockey game. Go take the kids to the Padre game. Go take the kids for make for the girls for makeovers. Do whatever you want, Angela. Here's money. Wow. And that's how it all started was the grassroots movement of me saying, parting for purpose started because my brother and I went out one night. He's in heaven now. But yes. We went out one night. We came home. We're sitting, you know, having the after party. And I looked at him and I said, you know, there was all those people out tonight. If I could collect $20 from every single one of those people, I could make a difference. And I said, you know, and my brother goes, we could party. And I said, for a purpose. And we wrote it down on a napkin and I went and got the business license and it started. Wow. And that's I how it started. And I had my first party right after that at Poor House, which is now, it went to Martini Ranch and now it's that's Double right. Deuce. Yeah. So had my first party there in 97, 97, because I just sold my coffee cart and then had a party every year and then started the charity in 2004 with Sean Hale. So we started the charity. Yeah, right. Because I was just raising money, having parties and raising money and giving it away. And then I realized in, on my birthday yeah. with Star... Star from the oh Star my Bar, gosh. my bestie, bestie star. friend. Uh, we were on my birthday drinking a bottle of a Don Julio Uh-oh. at at the uh, at at the Marriott pool, and I hated my job, and I was doing marketing, and I hated it, and I said I'm going to quit my job, and I'm going to start a charity, and I started really doing try, trying to think parting for a purpose would be yeah. the charity, but it wasn't a good name for a charity, right? And um and I struggled. 
the first year. But then I met Denise Brown, yep. uh, O.J. Simpson's sister-in-law, mm. Denise Brown. Wow. And she was having a party at the Playboy Mansion. And I helped uh-huh. her. She asked me to help her, brought seven tables, got my in there, talked my way in with nothing. And this was after 2004 or, or this was was still in, the late 90s? This, okay, so 2004, 2003, quit my job, struggled. 2004, late 2003, I help her with the party. Yep, yeah, yeah. I call, I start calling Playboy. I want a party of my own. So in January of 2004, they said, we're too busy. Bill Farley said, we're too busy. It's the 50th anniversary. And I said, literally said, can I stalk you? And he laughed and he said, sure. Sure. So every two weeks I sent the contract and said, I'm sitting here in my bunny ears and nothing else thinking of you and send the contract. And he would laugh and nothing happened. And then in March, they called and said, come for a meeting. So the night before I was supposed to come for the meeting was the 50th anniversary party at On Broadway for Playboy. Ah. So Edward and I went. Because Edward and I had also opened a couple of gentlemen's clubs, I had helped him in Vegas and San Francisco, I had met all kinds of, of really important feature dancers. And one was Catherine Delish. And she was the feature at the party. So I walk into On Broadway and I see this Playboy party Playboy style. Yeah. And I say, oh my God, my contract sucks. Okay. Yeah. So I go and I see Catherine. She's performing. I go in the back. Catherine, how are you? Because I know her from San Francisco with Edward. Will you perform for us? She said, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. I'll do if you get the party. I said, I have a meeting tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. She said, no problem. So I get in the car. I have my buddy Derek drive me because I'm too freaked out to drive to LA and then get to a meeting at Playboy. I change the contract in my head with him on the way there. So I get in the backyard, standing in the backyard with all the heads of the Playboy Mansion, and they say that they invited me for a courtesy meeting. Yeah. And I said, forget the contract. I went to the party last night. I want body painted models. Catherine Delish is going to perform. And how many gobos can I put in the ceiling? And they looked at me and they said, what do you know about gobos? Now, what a gobo is, is that is your logo that is burnt into a piece of metal, put into a light, and shined up into, like, the ceiling. Not a lot of people, and especially women, back then, knew what a gobo was. (laughs) And they wanted to know how the heck I knew who Catherine Delish and a gobo was. And I said, well, I had helped open clubs, and... And then they said, looked at me up and down and said, really? And I said, well, somebody's got to get girls on stages and somebody's got to throw a party. And then they said, okay, we like this idea. And I said, I've already got 25 sponsors ready to go. And they said, okay. And we, they said, redo the contract. And as I walked out the door, I said, what percentage do I have of getting the contract? And they said, 95%. And I said, okay, jumped to the car, (coughs) spent all night, rewrote the contract, did stage heights, everything, the most detailed contract they said they have ever received. Wow. They got it on Saturday morning, nine o'clock. At noon on Monday, I received the email, your party has been approved. Wow. I did not have a 501c3. I had $52, $53 in the bank. Nothing. Oh my gosh. So the phone rings. It's Sean Hale. Sean Hale had been coming to my parties, went to the Playboy party, and he says, I just want to let you know I've been stalking you, and and, and I want to take you to dinner. I have something to talk to you about. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. 
Because, you know, you, girls got to eat. I uh, didn't have food for dinner. Did you already know him at this point? Yeah, because yeah. he had been to the playbook party. That's right. So backtrack at Denise's party. Yeah. I gave a speech. It was about domestic violence. It was, it, it was a beautiful party. But as I'm walking around, and I was with my brother, he says, oh, it's such a great party. And I said, I want one. And he said, well, get your own party then. And I said, I think I will. Don't yeah. talk to him since. So he calls me. Beep. The day Playboy, I get the Playboy party. Wow. The same day. I want to take you to dinner. Okay. Next day, we go to dinner. I sit across from him at dinner. He says, I've been watching you. I've been stalking you. I know you're honest. I know you're in it not for the money. I want to start a charity with you. I've got the money for it. I'll give you an office, a salary, whatever you want. I didn't say anything. I looked at him and I said, remember how you told me to get that party at Playboy? I got it. Today. And he, yesterday, and he goes, holy crap. Oh, my God. What do you need? And I said, I need a credit card. I need an accountant, a bookkeeper, a 501c3, a lawyer, everything. And he said, no problem. And he goes, do you need money right now? And I said, no, I'm good. And he said, I don't believe you. He said, open your wallet. And I opened my wallet, and I had a dollar. And he took me to the ATM, gave me Everything, a $300 limit out of yeah, that, gave yeah. me 300 bucks out of that. And he said, let's go. We went to the bank on Friday. He gave me 10 grand. We put it in the bank and we took off. Wow. And there it was. And then three oh months later, God. four months later, we had to play my mansion, first play my mansion party, the very first one. Wow. And I rolled the dice every year after that. And, and we had eight solid straight years. I was, I think I was the only woman that threw, that, that was allowed to throw events there. There was one a month for, for every year. Yeah. So they only threw 12 charity events and it would have to be approved. And then Hef would have to do the final approval on the party. Right. The most generous man in the entire world. Yeah. yeah. So all of this shenanigans, <clears throat> I will speak out the shenanigans on e-television and all of these fake shows that have come out saying what a horrible person he was and all that. Yeah. Those are money grubbing horrible people because the people that worked with him and were with him for the last, you know, 30, 25 to 30 years, they didn't, they, when they interviewed them, they didn't put them in the show. Wow. They would interview for days and they didn't put them in the show because they didn't have anything bad to say about him. Yeah. Cause they paid him in a, in a good light. Right. Cause Isn't he that was crazy? kind. And that whole thing about the girls and all that. I'll tell you what, one year. Okay. So, uh, Pat Lacey was the woman that was the, in charge of all the playmates. And one year at, and I had, we had to play, pay for the playmates. They weren't allowed to sit. They weren't allowed to eat. They were to do tours and to walk around and to talk about the Playboy Mansion and to represent the charity. Okay. And one year they were supposed to be there till midnight at like 1120. Pat Lacey walked up to me and she said, I'm pulling the playmates. And I was like, what? And she said, one of your guests touched one of the girls in an inappropriate manner. They're gone. And she pulled the playmates. So that's how they dealt with that. They treated women as if we were the queens of the universe. Yeah. If men in any <clears throat> way were handsy or disrespectful, security was on them, and those men were dealt with. They were taken off the property. They did not deal with it. Wow. Did you know there was security everywhere? There's yeah. cameras everywhere. They did not put up with that at all. We were treated as women as the most, I was, I've never been put up on a pedestal as much as I was at the Playboy Mansion as a woman, right. ever, yeah. in my whole life, ever, anywhere. Wow. So the whole thing about women treated badly and the girls treated badly is absolute shenanigan lies. 
we were treated, and the girls were treated absolutely like wonderful. Queens. Like queens. And, and the rules they had, heck yeah. The reason why I have had to have the rules with the playmates is because they were celebrities in Los Angeles. Yeah. So anybody who has a brain knows that there's so many horrible people in Los Angeles that will take advantage of beautiful women. That's why he protected them. That's why they had a curfew. That's why he didn't want them out of the house because he didn't want them taken advantage of in Los Angeles by the creepy, horrible people. Wow. That's why. Not because he was a control freak. It's because of the horrible people in LA that was gonna that were gonna really take care of really, really hurt them. Yes. He had the playmate house that was right the house that was next that you weren't allowed to go to. Yeah, right. I right. no man was ever allowed to step foot in that house. Yeah. I remember. Nobody you could look at it and it looked <clears throat> really cute and it was yeah. adorable. Oh, yeah. But the game room was next to it and that was the game room. But no, none of this other stuff. And there was a there was luncheons every day, and there was the it was a very important place. And Hef lived there and stayed there because he couldn't really go anywhere because he was such a big celebrity. Yeah, he was a very private person, a very private and a very kind person. I mean, it's crazy. Very how the, kind. The media he did just for charity. Tried to just paint him in the worst light after he died. Right? Isn't that crazy? They wouldn't have the Hollywood sign if it wasn't for him. No, he paid to keep it. Did he really? They were going to have to take it down because he couldn't afford to, to maintain it or whatever, the city of Los Angeles. Yes, he ponied up the money. I didn't know that. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. So that's a whole, I mean, I could talk forever that, about the, that. But I wanted to make a point because that, that there's a, many podcasts and the people that work there that were his closest, Brian Oleo, who you know, yeah. who is his head, his head butler and also head of all the parties that I did with him. It just everyone is just up in arms about the lies because uh, it's it's so interesting. You go after somebody after they die. That's yeah. just shady. That's just shady. And there's a there's a what show, what is it Netflix that has a a whole series about? I think it's E. Maybe Netflix. I don't know. I won't watch it. And I, I won't watch start, it because I, I won't. I, I I will get angry. And I'm, I'm I trying just remember my stress. We started watching it and it was fascinating. And I don't think they were really painting him in that bad of a light. Now that I got to think about it. As, as it goes, they do. They do. Ugh. Now, there's two different shows. There's several of them. Yeah. You know, and which is great. I mean, that's wonderful to have a show, but, you know. Yeah. But so, uh, but on f- a different, I mean, it. but that party, I mean, created my entire career. Yeah, you were famous for not, this. Not famous for it, but I was able to... Move into circles and mm. to meet people because of it. Yeah, it put me on a whole different echelon of. What was the first business. one that we went to, Rachel and I? Uh, you went to the Brazilian, the Brazilian Carnival, because you went to the party at Jonathan Schiff's house. Um, that was in La Jolla. I remember everything. Oh yeah, you guys were there, and um, we had that party at Jonathan's house. That was at the house in La Jolla. Had the door that opened up, and it was yes. the brilliant Brazilian dancers, so and good. we ran out. That's of alcohol. right. Right, 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 right. We right. went through so much alcohol. Uh, it was unbelievable. Uh, we, it was a, f- it was a very difficult but fun party. Yeah. I was mopping the floor at uh, three to four a.m. A, a guest of a guest. We were talking about it this morning. Fringe friends. Yes. For those of you who have parties, do not allow the fringe friends to come. Okay, <laughs> fringe friends are not allowed. Those are the ones who decide to. Steal, make a mess, touch women, disrespectful. So Vringe Friend decided he took a Coke, shook it, exploded all oh, over wow. the living room yeah. on the beautiful epoxy floor. So as everyone leaves, the owner of the house, Jonathan Schiff, yeah. shout out to Jonathan, 
I love you, honey, but I got to tell this story. He walks across the floor, and all you hear is, oh, God, oh. And he turns and looks at me. Now, everybody's left. I got cleaning crew coming at 6 a.m., because you can't get cleaning crew at 2. No. Okay, because I don't know if we're even going to be done then. Yeah. So six, they're coming. Well, he's he he just looked at me and and I was like, I'll mop the floor. So Lena, my right hand, I couldn't make her mop it. You go home. So I have hair, makeup, parting for purpose, yeah. tank top, jeans, no shoes on, and I personally mopped front, top, yeah. down, I a five thousand square foot house myself. Mopped it, pissed, yeah. mad. Ugh. I mopped that, and I and. I don't clean, by the way. Wayne cleans the house. My mother, oh, knows really? I do not clean. I, I hire people to clean. So to, to see that I mopped a, a, I've never mopped yeah. a house before. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so what year was the Brazilian one? What year was that? 2008. 2008. Because mm-hmm. this is when Rachel and I first started making money. Oh, five, six, seven, eight. That's where everything started humming with the furniture store. Uh, we opened it in 05, late, late 05, so going into 06. So when you did that Playboy Man, because we had to p- pony up like, what, five grand to get in there? No, it wasn't that much then. It was yeah, uh, a thousand a person. Yeah, but I remember to get a table. A it was to get a table. Oh, back then, how much? Oh, no. Uh, they were, uh, that time it was tables, and then I went to cabanas. So it was 10,000 or more for a cabana. Cause I, but no, you guys got... I remember we put up five grand. I remember that. I think that was the second. How many times? You guys went once? I think we went once. At one time. Were you? No, because you understand it was the whole weekend. So you have hotels. Oh, that's right. Because we took over the hotels. Yeah, but just to get into the year thing was 2500 a piece. No, we, it wasn't. 20, it was 2500 total for okay. you. Okay, okay, for me. <laughs> it was 2500 a piece for everybody else. I remember I did have Because it like was the VIP. Yes. Because that was okay. the VIP. Got it. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. But that was the last year that we, because it was concluded the Friday night party, the Saturday night party, and that was the was last year we did the tent. After that, then we blew the tent off and did cabanas. And every year I changed the theme because I was insane, and I had to. And we did the food different, the costumes different, the everything. Every year was a different theme. So I always say, okay, well, how'd you dress if you can't remember what year? And then I'll tell you what year it was because I I know what the outfits were. That was that was like the craziest weekend Rachel and I had ever been a part of. Well, you know, it I, was amazing. I, I think one of the it was unbelievable, most best parts of my life I can say is being somewhere, and then I'll run to somebody that came to one of the parties, yeah, and they say, or they they say, "Oh my god, you don't understand." I went to the Playboy Mansion with her. Or or seeing one of the guys over in the corner when phones first started. Because back in 2004, yeah. we didn't have a lot of phones. We didn't allow anything. We couldn't have a camera, nothing. That's right. Because we just we were very tight about that. But I'd see, once phones started, there'd be guys over the corner be like, Dad, dude, never going to believe where I am. Yeah. I'm at the Playboy Mansion. Because some people would bring people that didn't actually believe they were going. Yeah. Okay, because it was very exclusive back it in was, the day. Before, yeah. the, it was a big before the other big parties started, yeah, nobody could go. So it was very, very exclusive. Once it got up to like two days before the party, if I had tickets left, I, I, could, I sold them for lots of money. Yeah. So I was, and then it was, then it, I was, got to be really hardcore and say, it's money and a favor. Yeah. So oh, what yeah. are you going to do for the charity? It's not just money anymore because right. anybody can pay us money, but I only have 10, seat, 10 seats left. So what as a company are you going to do? motivationally for the charity so 
it's this is it is you know then yeah. because they understand that after Playboy went away, so did a ton of my sponsors mm. because they were only in it for the party. Yeah, unlike you, yeah, we who, stuck around. You actually. <clears throat> 2003 we have i have a t-shirt with real deal furniture logo do you really yeah 2002 2003 uh, it was probably probably oh four it's got to be oh four it was oh four because it was um i did the life skill scavenger hunt for the kids and i came to you and said i need a t-shirt and you gave me money and so your logo's on the t-shirt oh that's right Mm -hmm. that's probably oh four for the kids so you came and helped me with the charity before the party right you were helping me with the kids and and raising, getting money for goals games and stuff like yes. that. Because then what we did was, uh, after Playboy was gone, you still continued to yeah. help me. That's right. And then we did the big goals game where we brought everybody the goals and we went down and we got to go on the ice. And oh, that was awesome. We had to have, I mean, that was so much fun. Yeah. The goals were such a big part of the charity when I did uh, when I helped the kids from the Tucson, and we got Academy. Tommy from Hardcore Fitness involved in that one. Yeah, and I think I just so saw fun. that he donated some stuff to the auction. Yeah, uh, I thought that's I saw some Hardcore, hardcore Fitness from stuff. Miramar. From Miramar, oh nice, okay, yeah. Good. yeah, that's Krista Lombardi. Yes, yeah, yeah. See, if and it's funny because some new people bought auction items, and they were like, you know, wanted their certificates, and I said, I have to understand that these are items from my friends. Yeah, these are not just people just donate. And I just randomly get them. These are my friends. So when I give you this certificate, you get to know the owner of the company. You're right. not just getting a certificate and maybe you'll use it. You're knowing them one on one. You know, the same way as if somebody puts up on Facebook, I yeah. need a bed. Right. You know, and I'm like, well, you have to get the adjustable bed because it changed my life. You made me too. Yeah. I came in to get a bed member and you were like, no. Yeah. You're, you're not getting so- this bed. And because I, you know, of course, I laid on it and, and I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I can afford it. You're like, listen, you can afford it. Yeah. Because you spent, you, you said, how many hours do you spend in bed? You yeah. got me. Cause I was like eight. And then you're like, but you work at home. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, yeah. And I could work in bed yeah. because I could sit up and my legs could go up and it made a big difference, made a huge difference. Yeah. Huge oh, difference yeah. in yeah. our marriage. Oh yeah. Having that bed. Yeah. I told you, I said, I'm not allowing you not to, like when friends nope. come in, I'm like, I don't allow nope. friends to get Mm-mm. crappy beds. I don't allow friends to sleep flat. <laughs> and do I you know, when I left, I so, oh, I'm spilling the beans. What? Oh, God. I left a year ago. A lot of people don't know. I moved to Florida. Yep. And when I moved, um, I also, my landlord sold my house, which was a motivating factor. But it was time for me and Wayne to live together. We had lived separately throughout the whole 13 years of our relationship. And the and reason for that was because... He worked for the airlines. He lived in Massachusetts. I lived in San Diego. And I wouldn't leave San Diego because my job and my friends were more important than anything in the whole world. And we were jet set and we could fly back and forth. And I would be there for a week and two weeks and a month. And he would, and we'd go to Thailand and we were all over. But then COVID hit. Yeah. And suddenly the first month, remember, we were scared that the country was going to get shut down. Correct. And I was like, they're going to fly him home. But his home is in San Diego. His home is Massachusetts. How much further can you get from me than Massachusetts? Right. What am I going to do? Get in the car? I'm going to run out of gas if I try to meet him in Kansas. I can't. I mean, he's ex-Air Force, but we still can't get him here. How am I going to, you know? And so it really hit us hard. And then, of course, I didn't have any parties. I didn't have any meetings. I did everything Zoom. Started writing grants. And I had all the data because we are very data-driven and it's all about the kids. We have an app. 
And so I have all the data, how many meals we provided, how many families, how many kids, what zip codes. So suddenly I have all the data to be able to write the grants. So I started writing grants and we started bringing in the money instead of the parties because I didn't know how we we were going to make it. Plus, we decided to close the food pantry of 225 families a week, total 1,300 families total, and go in the street. And do a drive-through and a walk-up, and suddenly we were seeing a thousand families wow. in one day in five hours. Wow, five hundred, six hundred cars in a drive-through and, and, and three hundred so walk-up. Explain when you started this, like like the whole how how it all when you're going the, into it. But <clears throat> when COVID, yeah. So th- this is when that started. Okay, right? so COVID hits, and um, we we are told we can't operate inside. So I go to the board and I say, we either have to close shop and not feed people, or we got to go outside and we have to change our model completely. And I say, and I pitch the model. And one of my besties worked for Jack in a Box and I called her and said, how do I do a drive through Because my mentors told me, if you don't know how to do something, go to the experts. Don't try to learn it. Yeah. Go to the experts and let them teach you. Right. So she told me, this is how you do a drive through And I called Dixie Line, said, I need cones. I need canopies. I need, because my chosen son, my son, works for Dixie Line. So I said, honey, help me. Talk, you know, he talked, and we'd already had a relationship with Dixie That's Line. Right. Yeah. So it was called everybody, all the restaurants. I need canopies. I need tables. I need this. And we then went into the parking lot. But then we got kicked out of the parking lot because they didn't want the cars in the parking lot. So I had to move to the school. Mm. Then we had to leave the school and we moved to National City. So every time we got too busy or we grew, we had to move to another place. Then we got to National City and they told everybody loved us being there. But then they kicked us out because we caused too much traffic. Mm. Because we then got to over a thousand families in one day in four hours so we had two semi trucks of food in one day wow and i didn't know what was in the truck so the truck at 6 30 would back into the parking lot and they'd open it up and hand me the invoice so he would i would say okay a pallet of oranges are they bagged no onions no so we would have then a crew that would show up starting at seven o'clock and we'd have to bag the food separate it and then bag it again and then get ready and people would start lining up and then the cars would start lining up blocking driveways causing traffic almost running me over calling me names and how did the people know that you were doing this like how did they get because we have a text message program so when we signed everybody up we put everybody in the app so then i would send a text and say we're having the food distribution and they would respond yes if they were coming so i had sort of an idea so suddenly I'd watch the app grow and it would go 500, 600, 700, 800 RSVPs. I know I've got 800 coming. That means 1,000 are going to come because 200 in RSVP. Right. And I got new ones. And I can't turn anybody away. So at the very end, when it was getting dark, we'd have like seven, eight bags of produce left sometimes. We'd almost be out of food, but we didn't ever run out of food. Wow. Never. And then we moved to a church. What, when was that? We moved to a church um, January 2021, and they embraced us and gave us a lease and let us stay there. And then they sold to the church next door and revoked our lease Mm. and locked the doors and kicked us out and called the food bank and said, don't deliver food to them. And we were almost in a lawsuit. And then we were homeless. This was April 2021. And I thought I was going to retire. And out of the ashes, and I just... 
I didn't know what we're going to do. Our stuff was locked up. The food was locked up. I couldn't serve any food. They wouldn't let us in. A Hispanic church. And so why did they do this? Because they wanted the church back. Uh, Because we could now, they needed, there's room, but they didn't want us there anymore. And they revoked our lease. So they didn't, they didn't acknowledge our lease because they fired the pastor who signed the lease. Oh, really? It was dirty. Dirty. No kidding. Dirty. The dirty. And I couldn't tell anybody about it because I wasn't allowed to talk about it. Oh, my gosh. So, not by the board, but yeah. by others. Yeah. So, um, which I'm probably going to get in trouble now. But anyways, then I get a phone call from Paul Bata, of Bata Fulkerson, who sits on our board and is our number one most amazing partner ever. Yeah. Make sure we have food every month for the kids. They give me every reference I need. They title sponsor every event that we have. I pick up the phone, anything we need, all the time. This law firm, Bata Fulkerson, I cannot begin to tell you what they do. And it's not just us. It's 20 charities that they help. Yeah. They have a special fund that every time they do, they settle a case, the money goes into the fund. Okay. It's amazing. There's not, a, there, there's not companies, that, attorneys that do no. that. Everybody, you know, especially attorneys, so they change the way to do everything. And they're not about court. They're not about ripping people off. They're about settling, helping people, getting people healthy. You know, they have a, they have a nurse that helps their clients get to appointments. You know, they really care. Yeah, so tell what kind of law firm are they? We'll Especially, give them, we'll give them a shout it's out for here. injury attorneys. So it's yep. Battle Fulkerson yep. and it's injury attorneys. And they have a, their, their logo is a bulldog because they also have a bulldog rescue. I saw that. They have a dog run at their offices. So you can bring your dog there to your meeting. And they have the dogs there that greet you. It's and they have, they're, they're, they're kind, they're generous, they're honest. They're, I mean, I, I, I can't say enough. You know, and, and they're family to us. And they're kind. They're kind. I think is the most important. Yeah. Well, trait. I mean, all I've heard about them over the last in the last few years, they've kind of jumped up on the radar because now they're all over social media. And all I've heard is phenomenal things about these only guys. Only good. Yeah. Only good about and these only guys. Caring. Only caring. And doing good. And so, so Paul calls me. Let me yeah. finish. So Paul calls me and says, "Do you still need a warehouse?" And this is like the day after my birthday, and the anniversary. So. I'm tired because i was you know i decided i'm gonna move this is i'm not gonna tell anybody really just my close friends but it's maybe my last birthday in san diego so yeah. i'm gonna party you know i'm gonna have some cocktails and party so i get the phone call first thing in the morning and they want we think we have a warehouse we have a somebody has a warehouse that's what paul says yep call bruce rubio i don't know bruce rubio i call bruce rubio he says i rent a warehouse i want you to talk to the owners they're coolest guys ever so they call me and they're like, okay, can you come to the office? Okay. Like now? Okay. I'm like <laughs> tired yeah. as hell. So I show up because I'm like, I'm ready to retire. I, I just got burned by two churches. Yeah. Okay. So you can't get much lower than getting burned by churches. Okay. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, how, what else is going to happen? I mean, right. really and truly, what am I doing with my life? Yeah. And I cried enough during COVID. And so I sit there and they pitch me on why I should have them adopt our charity. They have a warehouse in El Cajon. They have a forklift. They have a truck. They can give it to us at a totally cut rate. It has offices. And you can move in. And I said, when? And they said, when do you want to? And I said, Tuesday. And they said, sure, you want to come look at the warehouse? I said, I'll be there tomorrow morning. And I get there in the morning, I walk up and 
Jarrett and Josh are there, the owners. And Josh says to me, I said, I, I don't know about getting a semi truck in here to get stuff dropped off. And he goes, oh, we can move the tree. You know, we own the building. And if you need to move the tree, I don't really like that tree anyways. And, you know, it's, it looks like it's dying and we'll move the driveway. And I looked at him and I said, why are you doing this? Why? And he said, because I'm doing my business wrong. He said, I need to be helping more. And he, they do uh, universal waste disposal. So they do non-hazardous waste, yeah. universal waste disposal as yeah. a company. And he said, so I, when I collect all this stuff, I want to give it to you. I want to give you the clothes. I want to give you the, the shoes that we get from Rancho Santa Fe. Uh, I want to give you computers if you need those. There's all kinds of things that we collect and I'm, we're just we're disposing of it. And I should be giving it to you. Plus, we have this space in this warehouse, and it's sitting empty. We don't need it. And I said, there's something wrong with you, just so you know, because yeah. there's not a lot of people like you. And I said, and, we're, and I said uh, I'm going to have to rent a truck. He goes, no, no, no. We'll send the big truck. And, one of the, and Russ, one of the guy who runs the warehouse, comes with the big, giant, big, you know, $150,000 truck yeah, to 50, move us. 53-footer. With the with the uh, pallet jacks, and then the, they let us use. They even trained our guys on uh, on all the equipment so they could use it. And they wow. gave us truck. We get to use a steak bed truck for our food distributions. Yeah. And this this is pretty recent. This like was a, a year a year and six months ago. So here I say, okay, great. <clears throat> so this happens. Then I'm already saying I want to move. Okay. So this is about manifesting. Okay. But I can't move yet and live Wayne until I get things in order in right, San Diego. Right. So wow, we have a warehouse. I don't have to worry about that anymore. We got a warehouse. Then the food distributions, we're doing DoorDash and um, where we deliver to 225 families through DoorDash. And I have two amazing board members, Pete and Monica, who love leading up those distributions. They do, yeah. We do 30 cars come in 20 minutes. We're there Wednesday mornings. And they don't want me there anymore. They're like, you know what? We know it's not good for your health. We know that it, you need to be doing other things. You're better served in the office. Don't come. So I said, okay. I got the warehouse. It's under control. I've got an amazing staff that we hired from volunteers. So they already know what they're getting into. Right. And we pay them very well. And we give them perks. And we love them and their family. They don't need me. The food distribution doesn't need me. So I went to the board and said... I'm not needed in California, in San Diego anymore. I'm moving. I'm moving to Florida. Wayne and I are going to buy a house. And for the first time in 12 years, we're going to live together in the same house. Because it's time. Yeah. Because I have to put my marriage before my charity, my job, and my friends. Yep. For the first time in my life. Wow. And he cried. And I cried. And the board said, what? <laughs> and I said, but I can come back. Okay, I can come back for the parties for big things. You don't need me here. And I can start a chapter in Florida and we can do solar pantries there because we got sunshine in Florida. Right. And it doesn't really work great here with the solar pantries because we don't have a whole lot of safe places to put solar pantries. No kidding. We already, our solar pantry got robbed. It got broken into. They stole the batteries. They, They cut a hole in the door in the broad daylight. Wow. In Barrio Logan and, and cut all the cords and, and basically ruined it. And so I haven't been able to find a home for the solar pantry because there isn't a safe place to put it. 
that we can put it that's near a place that we can serve people that it's not and where it's solar pantry explain. so what i when we had the pantry we had no storage and we only rented a hall once a week so i had nowhere to put food and i would panic every week because we'd almost run out of food right so i love shipping containers yeah and so i said god wouldn't it be cool if we could take a shipping container and make it solar powered and refrigerate it so once again don't know how to do it where do you do go to the experts so my friends christina and april worked for uh, other electricians and they're with ibew 569 yep and i went to them said i don't know how to do solar help me they introduced me to steve step and he's electrician same uh same you know same thing he says okay let's do it so we designed the first solar pantry so it's a 20-foot shipping container it is one quarter of it has all the equipment the other part is insulated with the insulation workers union it was a whole entire community effort Insulation Workers Union, they put insulation on the inside of it. Then it has solar on the roof. So when you go inside and you turn on the AC unit and it's all tricked out, it'll go to freezing inside. Wow. Okay. So I got all my friends to help me. I called up everybody, asked for money, said, can you help me? Give me money for this. Give me money. And then we wrapped the front of it. It has everybody's logos on it. And we sat it in the parking lot. So then we would open it up bring out the food that we needed so we could get food in advance. Or if we had food left over, it would be so we didn't have to panic. So I could have more families come the next day for more fresh fruits and vegetables. And then when it wasn't being used for cold, we'd put the dry food in there. Okay. And so the goal was to have them all over San Diego. But then COVID hit. Yeah. And then it was just focused on the food distributions. And then crime has been so huge here. I haven't been able to find a place to put it that it's safe, that you can't jump a fence and do the same thing you did before. Wow. Because I, I can't run the risk of going through it again. I mean, we'd still have to, to get it back running. It's in storage right now. To get it back running, it's going to cost about 2500 plus some labor. But I'll, I've got the labor covered. Um, but I don't have a place to put it. Wanted to put it at the wow. schools, but then we had issues with yeah. the vaccine mandates and having volunteers come. And I don't have, we, our charity doesn't have things in place to be able to test and, vac, you know, vaccinate volunteers and all of that sort of thing. We don't, we, we're not big enough and we're not mandated. So we can't do that. So right. that, that limited our ability to serve kids. And that's, is that as of right now? It's sitting. It's sitting there. It's sitting in storage. Right now. At no the kidding. border. Wow. It's not being used. And so if anybody wants a solar pantry and they have a place that has a lot with a big fence and a safe place, we can put some cameras up. We can refrigerate and freeze food. And then we can serve food right out of it. And you because still... you can have 200 food for 200 people inside and just have 200 families come and pick up the food once a week. And how are you picking your, how did you pick your families along the way of who gets help? Whoever asked. Whoever asked. And how did that word get out there? How did you get the word out Friends. there? Friends. Because we uh, ask on the app when we yeah. find them in, how did you hear or hear about us? Number one is friend. Number one. Yeah. Because of word of mouth. Because when we had the food pantry, it was word of mouth. We started at the school. We started at King Chavez Primary. That's the whole, the whole program started. Uh, I was doing so much for all the other charities. And then uh, the homeless teenagers that I helped, they shut down the school. So we just picked food. And um, because I had worked for WIC in the Commodity Supplemental Food Program when I got out of college. Mm. So I learned how to run a food program, but not how to serve people because I worked for the government. Yeah. So back then. So uh, 
we started with food, started giving out food at the school, and then got our own food pantry. Went from 30 families to 150, like that. Crazy. And then went to 1,000. We have well over 5,500 families, but we serve close to a million meals. Uh, I, I, we have over 3.5 million meals that we have served since September 2017. We did 2 million during COVID, the height of COVID. 2 million meals? Meals. We were doing 40 to 50,000 a day. Wow. A day. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Serving, um, what was a thousand families? So it was between five to 7,000 people in one day that were eating our food every night. And so right now, there's, it's well, shut, it, because this thing's in storage, it's. Well, the solar pantry shut down. Yeah. But I decided, okay, the big distributions don't work because we keep getting kicked out. And people don't have gas for the cars. Huh. Okay. And, and people can't fix their cars and you don't want to sit in the line and idle. That's true. You don't have gas. That's true. So they're not coming to the food distributions because when it the price of gas shot up, we had a food distribution, only 50% came. No kidding. Yeah. Okay. Because they couldn't come because that was the day that the gas went 50 cents up. Yeah. So that was like, why did, why? That's why. The same day. It was a Saturday. So what we decided, huh. and I, because I'm a problem solver, we have the delivery program. So great. We've got those families that have no cars in the Barrio Logan National City area. They get delivered to every single Wednesday. Um, we started a mini pantry at the Chicano Federation office. So when families come to the Chicano Federation to get housing, especially the immigrant families that are coming, that meaning the uh, Ukraine family, like everybody from all over the world, they yeah. come to the Chicano Federation, not just the immigrants across the border. They stop in the kitchen and they can pick up food, diapers, and period products right there in the kitchen. So I don't have to help them in their own neighborhood. Right. Like it's already right. there. And then we do pop-up distributions all over the county. So up in North County, in Fallbrook and in Poway, we do distributions with We Love San Diego. So they distribute the food for us. They do diapers. So then we do other pop-ups quarterly wherever we need it in the neighborhood. So instead of this big, huge distribution that causes all the problems and gets us kicked out and gets me in trouble with the police and the fire department, we're in the neighborhood now. Uh So we're getting ready to open up another mini pantry at the Chicano Federation Preschool in Barrio Logan. So when the families come pick up their kids from preschool once a a week, they'll take food home, okay? So instead of me doing the big distributions with everybody waiting in line, which is not good for anyone, right? okay? They're already there picking their kids up, then take the food. So it's back, our original, we went back to where we started, to going back into the community because the community couldn't handle us because we were too big. Because we grew too big, because I t- we didn't turn anybody away, right? Because we couldn't. It was COVID. And and so Angela, go go back again, because and I don't remember if you if you told the exact reason, but what what made you want to start a charity to begin with, and especially revolving around kids? Well, because you don't have any children. Of I your don't own, have correct? kids. Correct. Okay. Like I, go all the way back. Here. I made a promise to myself. I I grew up. My my parents divorced when I was young. Okay. Uh, I grew up without my dad. Yep. He was not in the picture. I had a stepfather who I referred to as less than excellent. All right. Um, we lived a fantastic lifestyle, but not so great mentally and physically. Okay. Right that way. Yep. He was uh, mentally and physically abusive. Got period. it. Period. Okay. okay. So uh, my mother is a phenomenal woman who taught me how to take care of a man, but be prepared for the fact that you might not. Mm, okay. Okay. Got it. So I was raised Lebanese. 
I'm Lebanese and Irish, ah. but I was raised Lebanese to be independent, to take care of people, to be honest. We're very, uh, it was very much ingrained in me um, to be family oriented. But and I promised myself when I was 16, I wasn't going to have a child unless I had a husband. Okay. Okay. But then what I did, because I dated and had relationships with men who were the combination between my father and my stepfather. So my picker was off. Yeah. So I chose not so great guys. Yep. Abusive. And then not great. And addictive personalities and drugs and everything else you can imagine. Yep. And I was in a fixer because I was going to fix them. And they, because they loved me they were going to get better and they never did so then i just put myself in my career so then i worked did you, so had you ever gotten like uh, engaged oh, close yeah. to being oh, married yes. oh absolutely i was engaged twice to the same man um and then i was engaged a third time and what, um, what prevented you from from getting married did you like what am i doing the here? first time uh we got in an argument the second time to the same man i went to a wedding Four months before our wedding and said, I don't have this. I was a bridesmaid in San Diego yeah. and I was living in New Hampshire and I took my engagement ring off in the, at the reception. Are you serious? Uh-huh. And said, I'm not getting married. And then I went back to Phoenix to see what, what, my family. What's the reason? You don't have what? You looked around? Uh, and because he was an abusive man. Okay. And I was making excuses. Got it. And saying I was going to fix him. Get into this because there's a okay, lot of women because, listening, watching. No, because I, this. because I thought that because he told me I made him so angry because he loved me so much hmm. and that I was so effed up that nobody was going to love me. Oh, wow. Okay. And that, and we, let's, every time he did something bad, he'd buy me something. So we got a boat. But then let's go out in the boat. Hope you behave today because, you know, boating accidents happen every day. And your mom would never find her, your body in the middle of the lake. <laughs> he would say that. Yep. And walk out. Okay. But I'm in New Hampshire with nobody because I had left Phoenix to go live with him because he promised me everything to get back together. Yeah. And go back and live with him in New Hampshire with no one. And I don't have to work. I don't have to do anything. And I got there for a month and he said, oh, by the way, you got to work. Hmm. And then you got to do this, you got to do that. And then the, the abuse started again after I was locked back in. And then it would change and everything would be great for a while and then it would be bad for a while. And it'd be great for a while, it'd be bad for a while. And the drugs and the alcohol and the abuse would start all over again. And so I started therapy. Um, I do have to thank Oprah Winfrey because that was the days that Oprah's show was all about women empowerment. Right. And it was all about standing up. And so I went into therapy to find ways to make better decisions for myself. And he hated it. Hated it. And I remember the therapist said to me, and this is something very important to every single person, men and women. He would throw things at me. Okay? Yep. And I would say, but he didn't hit me. And my therapist looked at me and she said, because you duck well. You have to face the fact that he threw it at you. And if you weren't agile, you would have got hit by it. But in your head, you think, but he didn't hit me with it, so it was okay. Right. But it was worse, because he kept doing it. So I went to the wedding, 
said, I can't do this. Went to my family, went, flew back Was to Was he Phoenix. with you at the wedding? No, he wouldn't go. Why wouldn't he go? He didn't want to go. <laughs> he wouldn't do anything with me like that. It was my friends. He only wanted me at home. He wanted me losing weight. He told me he wanted me fat because he wanted men looking at me. But he said, but then he, I, he loved me more than anybody could ever love me in the whole world. So he programmed you that he was programming, oh, yeah. brainwashing you. And Day pro- and night. And, and so you and I that, had nobody. You were at that wedding and, and looked, there was love there. Oh, there was, love everywhere. And then the, the groomsman that I was hooked up with was wonderful to me and said, wow. I know about your, because the bride knew about yeah. my fiance, you know, because they were going to come be at my wedding. In four months, you know, yeah. my wedding was planned. My it my was. dress was. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, my wedding was planned. I had the bridesmaid dresses. My wedding, my dress was on order. Oh yeah, I was getting ready. I, this was in April, and I was getting married in September. And I uh, went back to Phoenix so to the see my family. Hold on. What did the grooms, what did the groomsmen say to you? What he was really nice. What did he say? He was adorable. He was great. He we ended up having somewhat of a relationship for many years after. We're still so friends. I, he said, "I know about your. You know about your ex, and you don't deserve that." He said that. Yeah, he said, you don't deserve that. You deserve everything in the whole world. And he put me up on a pedestal and was so kind and nice to me and I hadn't been nice to, I hadn't been nice to in, in two and a half years like that. And I was like, holy shit, there's men like this. Because of course, wow. you know, I call him SW. SW would... Yeah, he, he kept you away from, so you didn't everything. even realize that any, there was Mm-mm. another a man, that he, man. And, he, uh-uh. that and they accused like me of cheating and accused me of everything if I looked anywhere. And then just violent, you know. So, and and it, it, I had that in my past, in my childhood. My dad yes. was abusive to my mom. Yep. My stepdad was abusive to my mom. My stepdad was abusive to me. So I was kind of used to it because you know they did it, and then they like you. They love you so much that they hurt you. You make me so angry. And let me tell you, I married the most calm, nonviolent, magnificent, kind, gentle man on the planet yeah mr wayne ever he's never cursed never i heard him say the f word once he's never cursed at me he's never called me a curse word in 13 and a half years what year did you guys get married uh we're celebrating eight years on the 27th 2014 because jacqueline asked how old she was last night i said i think you're around i think you're around four she she was was she was around three yes and she has the little ducky she took the Bride or the du- or the groom ducky, yeah, 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 and she felt so bad or something happened about that, but that. So, but let me tell you the rest of this That's real so, quick. Go ahead, go ahead. So, part of the wedding was during my therapy was that I needed to come to terms with my stepfather who was dying at the time. He was divorced from my mother. Yeah, dying stepdad. at the time. My stepdad. So she said, "If you can, you need to come to terms with him because you need to heal. You need to have it out with him right. about the abuse, about everything." So. Part of that trip was going back to Phoenix, and then we were going to meet the stepdad. Now, I've decided I'm leaving Sean. Oops, sorry, SW. Oh, oh well, he knows who he is, so oh, well. he's never going to listen. Anymore. Well, maybe. Who knows? Stalker. So he, he uh, <laughs> I go to Phoenix, because now we're going to meet stepdad. So we have a face-to-face with stepdad. So this is from? From San Diego. I go to Phoenix yeah, okay. the next day after the wedding. I'm oh, the wedding was in face. San Diego. Yeah, I'm face to face with stepdad, all of us, talking about abuse, in which he denies the whole thing, says he never touched anybody. You know, I want to talk about it, but I got to do. I got to get it out. Then I fly back. Now I got to escape 
because I can't tell. Every time I tried to break up with him, I would pack a bag. He would take the bag and throw it all over the front yard. All my clothes. Yeah. Snow. So the wedding you went to was in San Diego. San Diego. You, I go you back. You took off your engagement ring, ring off. You're done. Put it in my purse, but I got to put it back on because yeah. I got to go back to the abuse guy. Yeah. And I got to plan my escape. Okay. So get back. I start packing slowly because he goes to work every day. I'm starting to pack. I'd go to the post office. I'm sending boxes to mom. He's not noticing that stuff's missing. I then talk to work, tell him I need a leave of absence. I, I've had all, I, I work for the state of New Hampshire, so I got tons of sick leave and stuff. Right. I need a leave of absence. Um, I encourage him to go away for business overnight to northern New Hampshire. I fly mom in. She comes, picks me up. I pick her up at the airport, we get in the car, I have everything that fits in the car, I drive away. I've never seen him again. To ever. this day. I left him a note. To this day. To this day, I've never seen him. I've spoken to him twice. Did he try to contact you? He wrote me a letter. Uh, he contacted then? my brother and he threatened to kill me and every member of my family. He contacted your brother? Because he, he knew my brother. Yeah. He was friends with my brother. Back then, there's no cell phones at this point, right? How long ago was this? Uh, 93. Yeah, so Cell phones were no barely cell phones. coming around. No, there was no home phone. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And so you just left. Because he thought I stole money from him because he forgot where he put it. I didn't take anything. I took the car and the debt and Dude. left. I never saw him again. Moved to San Diego. Moved as far away from New Hampshire as you can possibly move. Drove away. And so he called your brother. Called my brother and said, where the F did she go? She took my money. And he said, she didn't take your money. Look again. And he said, I'm going to fucking kill you. Sorry, I'm going to kill everybody in the family. If I don't, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And he talked him down. And then, and then he went into depression. And then he sent me a letter. And then he cried and begged me back. And oh, the funniest part was he had Playboy magazines in which I used to cry over. Because I couldn't be that. I couldn't be what oh, so he, he wanted. he had these? He had them and he wouldn't give them up. And I said, but I can't be that. And it would hurt me that he had them. And when he wrote me the letter, he wrote, I'll give them up, and it was you know too late. And I thought, wow, what an evolution in a life that I then started having parties at the Playboy Mansion. Because me as a woman, I healed from that, went into therapy, healed from all of that, okay, became the woman that I am today, and had enough that I could go step into the Playboy Mansion, meet Hugh Hefner, when it was something that used to make me cry on a daily basis. Wow. And when I told Playboy that, all the friends at Playboy, that I used to cry over it, and it was part of a breaking up of my relationship, and it was a real horrible part of my life and now i'm here because i realized no i can't be in playboy magazine but i sure as hell can have a party there yeah and so this is this is an incredible story angela so when you got to san diego mm -hmm. what's the first thing you did did you look, i stayed you with the bride with the guy, and groom right? uh -huh. i hung out with them for a little while hung out with the bride and groom let me live with them okay wow Started so they were for all for this because they oh, knew this 100 percent. they yeah. let me rent a room in their house I had just a little bit of money that I had saved. Okay, so I got a job right away. Uh, started waiting tables again. Got a job then with the, with the uh, working for the WIC program. So working with families again. Working 10 bucks an hour, but making more money cocktail waitressing. Got my own apartment. I knew only two people and the guy, but we just stayed friends. And then I started working at the racetrack and slowly, and then I moved downtown and kept waiting tables and then I bought my coffee cart and where, where were you where are you where were you waiting tables at Bistro Baco which was above East Street Alley which is across from no a star bar yeah. and I was the first woman who was allowed to wait fine dining 
They wouldn't anywhere in the gas lamp. It was only Italian restaurants, and they wouldn't let women work at night. No kidding. In the Italian restaurants. Oh, very sexist. Wow. I, I, that, I'll tell you that story. We sued Bistro Baco. I can talk about that. We sued them, three of us women and three Mexicans um, on the staff. We sued them for racial and sexual discrimination because they were so horrible to us. Closed the restaurant down because they were so horrible to us. Really? He was so, the owner was so horrible to us. He would tell me on a regular basis that he wanted to F me. Oh God. And I was working and I was married. I was engaged at that time to another man who was a drug addict and I was the moneymaker in the family. I had to take, I was working two jobs. I was waiting tables, making big money back then, but paying for everything. So yeah, yeah we sued him, closed that restaurant down because and we didn't make much money. It wasn't about that. It was about shutting him down and never doing that to anybody again. Right. He would tell the Mexicans, don't talk to, the, to anyone. You're a this, that, every slur, everything. But at that time, we were making money in the gas lamp. And when you're making that much money, and then he'd blackball you if you tried to quit, you would never work. And back then in the restaurant business, it was all about where you worked before. Yes. Oh, yeah. So he'd blackball you. So, oh, I got stories about the gas lamp in the early days of how it was. Mm-hmm. Very wow. sexist, very racist against with with the with the way that it was because it was the Italian restaurants and then it changed then it exploded the gas lamp exploded and we got the gas lamp association and then all the restaurants moved in and then suddenly the barbacks and the bartenders became the managers and then they became right. the owners yes that's okay ex- and everybody moved up from the bottom to the top okay and i was in that era i was in the bouncing it was the east street alley yep i was at, i worked at blue tattoo yep that's also with blue tattoo, yeah, with all the uh, Samoans, because Star I, and I would walk in. That's more because Star and I would walk in because I had my coffee cart. You guys would come get coffee, but she, she and I would walk into blue tattoo. I and we go downstairs, and Jojo, Animoto was down at the bar, and then Nick, Nick was at the bar. I, did you realize I just ran into Nick two weeks ago? Oh, I'm not kidding you. I am not kidding you. I love Nick. We were talking in a circle for about a half an hour before we realized who each other's who we were. Because I said, "Yeah, I used to work at Blue Tattoo." And then midnight, he goes, "What you know about Blue Tattoo?" He was like pissed off about it. Like you can't mention Blue Tattoo in this circle right here. I'm like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Like I did too, ninety five. He's Nick. like, "I'm like Nick." He goes, "JD." We could not believe it. He, he used to lean back at that bar and just look at the carnage <laughs> out there and just be like, "Jesus!" I can't. Um, and then Star and I would walk in and we'd hide on the side of the bar. And Nick and Dave, Dave, Dave running the bar, you know, and that was the place. There was three bars. So anybody that wants to know about the gas lamp, there was three bars. East Street. East Street Alley, Club 66, and, Club and, 66, Blue, Tattoo. Yeah, and Blue Tattoo, and, and my coffee cart, okay? <laughs> and then I was open till one o'clock, because the bars only open till one. That's right. And then everybody would be thousands of people out in the streets, and the cops, and you. it was mayhem. mayhem. Absolutely. And I had my music up loud, and I was selling coffee, and jolt yeah and brownies and all kinds of stuff and it was nuts it, it was, was fun girl fights boy fights oh yeah crazy the, the religious people on the corner with the blow horns and we'd get them arrested <laughs> because you can't do that dude you can't be yelling a blow horn at a girl saying you're going to hell for wearing an outfit like that and all the guys were like yay yeah you know and it was crazy Crazy nope, town. Nobody that's here now realizes how crazy it was down there. I remember because the 
the blue tattoo was underground, literally underground. Mm. So when that when it ended, they closed, and there was a whole nother. The party would start down there. Mm. It mm. was mm. insane. Mm. And East Street Alley, East the line Street Alley. would be down the street and down to Broadway. Oh yeah, all the way down. And um, and I had my coffee cart. So I would give them all coffees and sell them coffees. And then I would bring, I would be Little Red Riding Hood with a basket full of triple mochas at midnight because they'd have to stay up till four. So I'd roll in and, uh, you know, do a shot and then come back out and then get ready for the crazy. Yeah. You know, and then luckily I was given the 411 that Starbucks was coming uh, into the gas lamp. A little whisper that said, yeah. Starbucks is coming. Yeah. So I sold my coffee cart for three times what I bought it for. Started throwing events with All Star Event Productions. They gave me a job. Um, I had already wanted to do my own parties. Yeah. You know, I started throwing parties for profit with people, but nobody wanted to pay at Fourth and B. So, so did you because know they were the, all my friends? Did you know the other the kids that would call them kids because they were young then? I don't even remember the the names of the. They were at Blue Tattoo. The ones that would do the production companies. Remember the production companies? Oh yeah, all of them. Right. They were all my friends. I can't even remember them. For some reason, I can't remember right now. But you had a, uh, what was but Dre? We, One was called Dre. The kid's name was Dre. Oh, yeah. Dre. But also it was Polka Dot. That was. Oh, yeah. Polka Dot. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, Dre that was Jim Clayton. Jim Clayton. And then also John Stinson had his stuff. And there was all the clubs out at Velvet. I mean, we took over the racetrack. Velvet was going on until yeah. they kicked us out there. That's right. Because of the horses and all the rich people didn't allow the house music next to the horses. Because they were afraid the horses. Well, it, I mean. They, and so they this, kept him up all night. But we had after hours. After after hours was San Diego. I mean, San Diego in the nineties, it was called the scene. Yeah. I mean, it was the scene. Right. Literally, the after hours would end because you had Montage, which is montage. spin. But Montage was open till four. Oh yeah. You had East Street Alley open till four. Yep. Um, people would then kind of wander because then Starboy would open at six. West End would open at six. Silver Fox Silver would open Fox. at six. People would be sitting out front waiting. So everybody would leave, come back to my house for the after party, and we would kind of half change our clothes. So I would have like the sparkly dress, but the kids, okay, and yeah. a hoodie and makeup and hair yeah, in a bun because my hair was all crazy by that time. You know, because we'd been up all night right. because I'd been promoting the clubs. Or at that point, back then... They would just ask us girls to get up on platforms and go-go dance. There weren't real go-go dancers right. back then. We, yeah. That was just us, girls, that would do it for drinks. Yeah, I remember. And water. I remember. And, you know, and I was a promoter, so it was, I would come walking up with, you know, Angela plus 20. You know, we'd make a joke, I am the list. You know, we'd make these big jokes, but it was after hours. I mean, it was open till solid till four. Oh, yeah. Yep. You know, and I then remember. it would go the whole weekend, and then there'd be Sunday would be Barefoot. Barefoot Bar, oh my gosh. Okay, Barefoot Bar was the place. Okay, and then uh, and then Monday night, dinner at World Famous. World Famous, so oh that my was, gosh. So that was, you know, lobster tacos, and so we'd slowly make our way in there, and then it would slow on Tuesday. Wednesday, Mooses? go to Hillcrest. Was it Mo Mooses, or we go to Hillcrest, <laughs> go to Riches. Thursday, go to Riches, Hill, Hill, yeah, or Thursday, Mooses, Thursday or then... Moon doggies. Yeah, mooses was Wednesday and Sunday. And so, so, so it was more PB on yeah, yeah. the Wednesday, Thursday, but downtown solid. Cur yeah. On Friday. Mooses Saturday. was Sunday night. Oh, Sunday night. The moose was loose. We'd say every and Sunday. And then, and then, uh, what else? And then the one club opened 
far west something open far west far west yep. so that opened then finally pb had a club correct you yeah. know Bottle but then service. suddenly everything started popping up with the the bars on the beach and then the guys all started taking over and understand and i'm going to give some dirt here so shore club you know shore club uh-huh. and all the fish shops yeah well doug one of the principals of that he was martini ranch i went to asu with Doug and the guys from Martini Ranch. We didn't know each other ASU that we know of. Yeah. We know we didn't go out. We didn't date. But they were in fraternities and I was a little sister for fraternity. We know at ASU, we, we were there at the same time. We all we know we right. partied, right? Well, when they closed Martini Ranch, then they opened Shore Club and they opened the fish shops, okay? But Billy was a bartender. Billy came a partner. Larry was a barback and a bartender. Became partners. They became partners. They, Doug brought his crew in and they all became partners and started Shore Club and started branching out. Right. Okay. So that's what happened in San Diego, unlike any other city that I know of, yeah. is where owners didn't just stay owners, they brought their people up. They right. brought the people that were loyal to them and they became partners. And then they opened more and more and yeah. branched and did things nobody said that they could do. They said fish shops wasn't going to work. Right. What, that concept won't work. You have to have waiters. And they said, no. Yeah, fish too expensive it's gonna to be too expensive it's not gonna work and i remember sitting with doug and billy and they said everybody's tell us it's not gonna do it and i said and what do you think and they just smiled and now they've got three. Oh yeah and, and i know eric lightstein's in on that everybody's got a piece of it because the- they brought in good people so yeah, that exactly. they could grow and be successful yeah. and they take good care of their staff and we have a taco on their menu did you know that Did the you- mahi elote taco no way so when you we started with just as a special but now it's on the menu permanently they've sold over thirty-five thousand tacos thirty-six thousand tacos as they did the last numbers thirty-six thousand tacos it- in two years and every time you oh. buy a taco they donate a meal to our charity. Yeah, I remember. And the guys that I actually were my managers back then or fellow bartenders or fellow bouncers, uh, especially my managers like Mark Cirillo, Eric Lightstein, they're all the owners now. They own all yeah. the clubs. Yeah, because Tom that's Brown. the best people. Yeah. And they didn't bring other, you know, like hired, bring shady people in right. from other cities. Like I hired guns you know. that have a good resume. Nope. No, they know, they they know San Diego. Okay, but it's also that's quality. That's 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 yeah, not oh, yeah. being that, greedy. No, that's that's how you, not saying, oh, I'll just keep you as a manager for the rest of your life. Right, it's smart. That's I'm going to bring you in as an owner because now you got a piece of it, and now you you really care about it. Yeah, it's smart. Now it's yours, you know. And they're generous and they're kind and they take it grind and prosper. Those guys were our gold partner those guys are hilarious and they just keep opening places and are kind and give us so many they did food for us like every other week we had food we we provided food during the food distributions to all the volunteers i'd have like 40 volunteers because no gyms were open and no restaurants so they all called up came and volunteered so i needed to feed them because they're there for six seven hours yeah they would give us food for 60 food for 40 full bowls of of their uh their carnitas and with the rice super healthy food and then of course i would go get the frozen drinks from them because that's what i would eat for dinner because i was so hot and so tired i would just eat a frozen margarita and and now so you were you were getting on we we were getting on the your childhood leading to that almost marriage Mm -hmm. remember i said how what made you start the charity maybe start the charity is i had it in me i was working for other people i hated it every time i worked for corporates all they wanted to do was keep the money for themselves i kept saying let's have a charity event and they'd be like no let's go to the bahamas 
yeah. when I worked for corporates, or they didn't care. And so I'm sitting at the Marriott with Star and a bottle of Don Julio, and I said, forget it. I don't want to do it anymore. I want to start my own charity. And then I struggled. And as things went by, it, just, it was always in me that I, because when I had my coffee cart, so here's, the, okay, so yeah. um, when I had my coffee cart, all kinds of amazing people would come and see me, okay? And I would tell particular people, I want to have my own charity someday. And they'd say, well, then you should. Go do it. And there's people in my life that'll come back and say, you know, you said that. Because I started planning it back then how I wanted it, and I just had to plan it. And I just it took time and took time. And then I did it. I mean, because I said in... 97 I want my own charity and I started and it waited and I had to do other stuff and do other stuff and make money and then I finally gave up in 2003 and said I can't do anything else anymore but start my own charity that was it yeah that's right so 03 with the, with the tequila <laughs> with star. the tequila and star and, star. I remember and star. I quit my job that day I called my job and said I quit yeah I remember, I remember star and I had no money I had no money to be doing this yeah, I mean none. I struggled but my brother helped me my brother said, I believe in you, and uh, he was very successful, and so he would send me money. Um, anytime I did something good, he would send me the certificates of appreciation, taking care of business, Oh yeah. and then there'd be $500 or $1,000 or something. He would make sure that I was okay. He would never tell me he was giving it to me, so I would never count on it, Right. but it would be the present, the surprise, the something great, and, uh, and then... And your brother lived here in San Diego. My brother lived in Tucson, Arizona, and he was murdered. Ooh! In November of 2006, it's unsolved. We don't know who did it. And this was in in Tucson. Tucson. Mm -hmm. They came into his house and they shot him. Oh man! Yep, the day that changed my life forever. That was the day your life changed forever. Forever, forever, changed forever. Did you get a call? Um, my mom was coming home from the grocery store and she was on the phone with me and she pull she pulls into the neighborhood and she says s-h-i-t shit there's cops at the house and i said what she was on the phone with you i said call me back so about 15 10 minutes later she calls me back and she's screaming get on a plane now get on a plane now and i said why do it. And she's screaming. And I said, are the police there? Yes. Why? Get on a plane. Is it, why? Is it about you? No. Is it Christy? No. Is it Scotty? Yes. Is he arrested? No. Is he in jail? No. And she's screaming at me. Get on a plane. Get here now. I said, let me talk to the police. I said, what is, what is my, why is my mom crying? He said, I can't tell you. She has to tell you. So I hands the phone back to my mom. I said, Mom, what is it? Where is Scotty? What is it? And then she just screamed and said, your brother is dead. He's deceased. And I collapsed. I screamed. I hung up the phone. And everybody I called wasn't home, like didn't answer. And I left them messages. I feel so bad for my friends because I said, I got to go. I got to go to Phoenix. Somebody killed Scotty and hung up. So all my friends were then freaked out. I called my other friend. I said, I got to get to the airport. They came and got me, David Dodd. 
You know, David, yeah, yeah, yeah. David was in town. David came to the back door of my apartment, picked me up. I got to the airport. I got, they let me on the plane first. They got me off the plane first. Got to the house. My mom was, my sister came and picked me up with a friend. My mom was completely out of control. Um, Gosh. Harder than that was we had to go pick up my grandmother. Where, where did she live? From she the lived airport? down the street. Oh, down the street? And we had to pick her up and she said, what are you doing here? And I had kind of sunglasses on and I couldn't talk to her because I'm crying, you know. I said, no, we'll get to mom's. So we put her in the truck and get to my mom's and my mom sits her down and I'm in the other room with Christy because I can't. And my mom sits her down and all you hear is my grandmother howl, screaming and howling, crying and crying. So then we have to go to Tucson and clean his house out because it's the fourth, fifth of the month and he hasn't paid rent. And they want his house everything out of the house immediately the landlord police clear the house on sunday we drive to tucson and we have to clean the house up then the police show up they're so terrible to us so terrible one police officer told my mom don't worry you'll get over it she screamed went berserk and screamed every word in the book and chased the police out of the house don't worry you'll get over it Uh oh my god Mm -hmm. yikes yeah then they ruined his laptop. They cleaned it dry, ruined it, sent it back in pieces, and never returned his phone. So we kid, there's so many people we didn't even get to contact. We didn't know because we didn't have the phone. We had to go through his house. It was like the you know vault, like and we and we had tried to recreate. Now thank goodness for CSI. Okay, that show, because as we walked in the house, we had to. There was bloody fingerprints. They turned the lights off. Okay. Scotty, we knew he was eating. There was crackers and peanut butter. His shoes were at the door. He was barefoot. He had taken his rings off because his rings were in the bathroom. They found a drywall hammer because he swung at him because it was somebody else's blood on the drywall hammer. So he defended himself. The back door had a, a rock through through the slider. So we don't know if they made it try to look like an invasion. We don't know what happened. We don't know. Could be anything could have happened. It could have been Did they anything. do a thorough investigation? Not really. Both of the guys got, they got uh, promotions, unsolved. But I went to lunch with Denise Brown and after so Scotty died. So and sometimes it's better not to know who killed your sibling, because she said the most horrifying thing is having to deal with OJ. So it's sometimes it's good not knowing who did it because you really can't bring them back. And I don't want to go through a whole year of court with my mother. We never saw the pictures. Thank God. They wouldn't let us see. But understand, when we were cleaning the house, he died on the floor. They cut the hole in the carpet where his head had been. They shot him in the head and the neck. And so there's blood splatter everywhere. So every time we walked in the bedroom, we had to step over the hole in the floor with all the blood. They, my mom saw his Aztec calendar in the wall and saw it and said, oh, crap. There's a nick in it. What happened? And she pulled it down. There's a bullet in the wall. They didn't even find so there's the good and the bad. I don't want to go to court. I don't want them to look at what they always do to people they demonize. I don't want them dragging my brother's name through no matter what he ever did in his life because somebody killed him. You know, I didn't want to go through that. So I don't care that we don't know. God and karma will take care of them. 
whatever happens to them, they got to look behind them all the time. And I do believe that my dad and my brother in heaven, wherever they are, will make their life a living hell, whoever did it to them. Okay? Those, whoever did it will not. But when I see my brother, and I also hear this. I also, after it happened, <laughs> yeah. because I had a choice. I could put billboards up. I could go full-fledged. We could have gone crazy with it. But I heard my brother say, it's not your deal. Go live your life. You're not going to bring me back. It's not your deal. This is your deal. And the other thing, my brother didn't really like this world. My brother was Gandhi and Bob Marley put together. Oh, really? Yep. Kind, generous, sit back, and then walk through the hotel and hand out $100 bills to the maids and never tell anybody. Take his, take his cashmere coat off and give it to a homeless guy and walk around with a T-shirt on. Okay, he didn't like this world. He hated this world. He hated how it was. He hated, but he loved it. Didn't want to get married, didn't want children, didn't want any of that. So there's a side of it where I believe when it's your time to go, it's your time to go. That was his time to go, okay? I also asked him for Wayne on Christmas. I said, please, Scotty, bring me somebody good. I haven't had anybody, I haven't lived with anybody in a long time. And I'd really like if somebody brought me a some juice right now. It's exactly what I said. And three months later, here comes Wayne. Wow. We met online. We would have never met in person. No I saw his profile. I thought, oh my God, he's so cute. And then he's in Massachusetts. It's never going to work. I'm not even going to try. And then he saw my that I had seen his profile and he sent me a message and said, your profile seems very interesting. I'd like to get to know you. <laughs> Let me tell you this, because I'm probably, probably going to tell you. You want to know what my profile, very, know what my profile said? What? Oh, gosh. So bad. Oh, no. I live a VIP lifestyle, so if you're not comfortable going beyond the red rope, don't bother. That's weird. That's what it said. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I love that. I know it's like I totally identify with that. If you're not comfortable going beyond the red rope, don't bother. And he was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> that caught his attention? Mm-hmm. It seems, and my picture. It, it seems very interesting. And we talked every day for a month. So what happened? Hold on. So what, when he said, uh, did you say, all right, I was like, text okay, me, call it. me? Or? I, I, we messaged. And then he messaged with full sentences. And not you are. And all oh, that. And I was yeah. like, oh, he's smart. And then he <laughs> said he works for the airlines. And I was like, ooh, it could work. And I said, okay, I got to hear his voice. Because if he's got some really crazy voice and it's not going to work i'm not going to be a weak voice no or you know i can't you know or some i I just can't and he was too handsome and i didn't want to bother you know i don't want to go through this so then i said okay i'll hear your voice and i gave him my phone number and i answered the phone the same way to him every day since i answered the phone hi and he said hi this is angela this is wayne and i said hi (laughs) <laughs> and we talked every day on the on the phone. You, you I, I've heard you answer like that before. Uh-huh. And uh, he got off the plane, and we've been together ever since. Wow. Yeah, he stayed four days, and he never. He, we never. Our first day never ended. Wow. And he left, and I said, "Well, if he comes back, he comes back. I dig him." And he said, "I'll be back in two weeks." And he called the next day, and he said, "I'll be back in a week." And I said, "I don't know about that. I got a grand reopening of Sidebar." Prohibition's opening. I got stuff happening at the strip club. I got this happening. I got this happening. I don't know if you can handle it. He goes, I can. 
and he handled all of it. He does. He, he handled it. He's the greatest. He was never jealous. Never. He was never jealous never. of Dorman hugging me. Nothing. Errol jumping across the bar and kissing me. Me hugging and kissing on you. Never. never. He it, he was the first and only man in my relationship life who pushed me forward and stood behind me proud. Yes. Never held me back and never jealous and never compete. tried to compete. Never. Never tried to compete with me. He's his own man. He's is he's the first man that I ever like real, real. true uh, yeah. knew who he was wasn't that that I had a long term relationship with and that I knew and I knew right away I knew I wanted to marry him totally I knew right away and himself. I had to get my act together everyone thought that I was the one da, da, da. oh no 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 I had to prove to him that I was marriage material not him and ladies ladies listen to what she's saying I right had to prove it to him I had to prove that I wasn't single girl listen ladies listen to what she said 100% I had to act like I was not single girl. I could not stay out all night. I could, what well, I still did, but I had to be around girls. I could. I decided I wanted to be there for him. I wanted to say what I was going to do. I wasn't going to be flighty. I was going to. I cooked for him. I wanted to prove to him that I was going to be the wife that I knew I wanted to be. And I find nothing wrong with traditional roles for women and men in the house. I am. I am a weird weird person in that if you do not let a man be a man in the house you're gonna get a wimp and you're gonna demasculize him i can't even say the word because i hate it and it's not gonna work because i am a strong alpha female yes yes and if you run your man you will leave him you'll push him away absolutely so if you ask a man to do something be careful who you choose because you choose the man who does what he says he's gonna do so if I ask Wayne to do something, I don't have to ask him again. I also choose when I'm going to ask him, though. Yeah. If he's busy, he's busy. And I can't expect him to drop everything and do everything for me. I have to learn that. But he has his role in the house. Okay? He has to be the man. I have to be the woman. Or else we don't have a marriage. Right. Listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. Okay? Listen. He has to be the man. Ladies, listen. I want him to make the decisions. Yeah. I make the decisions in my job. I don't want to make the decisions at home. I want him to treat me like a woman, okay? Men, lead Please. your home. Lead your home. Make the decisions. You're in charge. Take the garbage out. Do this, do that. I don't want to make the decisions. I don't want to do it. Yeah. We start at the very, very beginning. We go on vacation. I don't even know the name of the hotel half the time. Isn't that great? His sisters think it's crazy. My mom's like, what do you mean you don't know? I said, I don't even know. I just have to know what time. I don't know the flight listen, number. Listen, listen, no, ladies. Because I'm supposed to listen, look cute. Men. I don't need to run everything. Because if I run everything, what's he going to do? Christopher, listen. No, JD. Spencer, listen. JD, if I run everything, what's he going to do? That's right. Pick up after me? And then this, what? He can't. What am I going to do? He's not going to be a man anymore. And that's not the man I married. I married the man that took care of me, that, that took, that, I'm sorry opens the door for me that says uh, carry your bag carry this you're not carrying anything brings in the lot brings in the groceries does all the man stuff at home that's right because he's the man and if anybody could organize all these things you could yeah the and trips and the, but you i don't want to do it because i do that in my job <laughs> that's right okay everybody so freaks out when do it like because rachel has no rachel don't even know where we're going just she knows what it's time to be ready. It's the best thing ever. Yeah. Because yeah. if you're controlling and the control, I'm not controlling as much anymore, but when you're quote unquote a control freak, like I'm yeah. supposed to be, 
Okay. The most, okay. I tell girls this. The best relationship you can ever have is when you go to dinner with a man and you need a lipstick and your identification. And that's it. That's it. (laughs) If you got to bring your credit card, that's not the man for you. (laughs) And I'm not saying because the man's supposed to pay all the time. Because we pay too. Yes. I pay for, we're half and half. Wayne pays the mortgage. I pay all the bills. Okay. We pay, we got group accounts, but he has his account and I got my account too. But you got he, you got to have your roles. Yes, I can't do everything, and right. I don't expect him to do girl stuff. Right, because we got girl stuff. I'm sorry, I was raised that way. Yeah, and I was a tomboy, but I was still a girl. Okay, and we have traditional roles. And I'm sorry. Of course, I don't think men should pay for everything. But 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 you also shouldn't have to worry that he can't. That's right. <laughs> Lipstick and I, this is, okay, and this, ID. okay, this is an old school thing I say it's to the, the girls. The, Don't sleep the, with a man unless you know he can afford to take you out to breakfast after. There you go. Because the only thing you got is you. And that should be the most valuable thing you have in the whole world. That's right. And if it's just breakfast, then you got a problem. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> Especially if you're bringing yeah. things to the table. Yeah. yeah. Because it'll never, and, and granted, if you are with a man who's coming up and he's working hard and he's in school and you're supporting him because of that because he's doing things absolutely Fine. but I've been there where they say they're going to do it and then you're the work dog and then they quit their job because they know you're going to bring the money in because you're the work girl and then they're sitting on the sofa playing video games video games and next thing you know I'm cursing at him because he's not the man that I thought he was because I didn't pay attention at the beginning I didn't see the signs at the beginning. Get into that real quick. Get into that. Oh, you know right away. Get into you that. You absolutely know right away and you make excuses for him. Get into number the, one the rule. red flags is what Don't it is. date a man who hates his mom. Rule number one. Rule, rule number one. If he hates his mother, run. <laughs> because he'll never love you. Yeah, never. My first SW hated his mother. But he told me, you were the only woman that I love. I hate all women but you. Oh, wow. Okay, rule right. number one. Rule number two. Rule number two. Besides lipstick and the and ID, that is the do what best. you say you're going to do and do. I mean, you got to be a man of your word. Yeah, not just say don't. You're not a gonna. Don't ever date a gonna. A gonna. G o g o n n a gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do that. There's no do. You either try. There's no try. You either do or do not That's do. Right. Yoda. In the words of Yoda. Yeah. Pay attention. Pay, bottom line is pay attention in the beginning. Pay attention. Okay. I walk on fire. You know that. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things about walking on fire is you walk on glass first before you walk on fire. Okay. And walking on glass, you take bottles and you break them and you walk across it barefoot. You don't cut your foot because little do you know, glass breaks down. So you look for the pieces that are up. Pay attention. Pay attention. Yeah. See how he treats people. Go out to dinner. How does he treat the waiter? Yep. Okay. How does he treat people who are above and below him in, in the social calendar? Who are the, serving the him. Yep. How does he treat children? How does he treat older people? How's his relationship with his grandparents? How's his relationship with his family altogether? Some people have crazy families. I get it. But what's his relationship with his mother? Because even if your mom is a narcissist or a horrible person or something or hurt you, whatever, if you hate your mom, you have issues deep down inside that you need to fix and no woman's going to fix that. Okay, You're going to get the brunt of it. Because you're going to think, oh, I'm better. I'm, of course, he hates his mom, but of course he loves me. 
Don't even think about it. This could run. be the best relationship advice we've ever heard run. on the podcast. Run. And if run. it's a guy run. for a girl and she hates her dad, same thing. Same thing. Hmm. Because it's ingrained in you. Okay? Mm. Now, if they have problems with their siblings and their parents, it's always things that can be worked out. But it's called forgiveness. Okay? I had to forgive my dad after he died, years after he died through therapy. I had to forgive him right. for not being the dad I needed him to be. And the moment I forgave him, yeah. I was okay because he wasn't perfect. Moment I forgave my mom, who you love and I adore and I can't live without, but I forgave her for her not being perfect. I'm free from any anger, any pain. I forgave her because she's not perfect and I'm not perfect, and I've apologized for all the pain I caused her. And so, would you say if you hadn't done that, I for, never would have met Wayne? You would never would have attracted Wayne. Never. Right. I decided I wanted a partner. I wanted a relationship. And that's how I got Wayne. Okay, Because I put it out to the universe. I asked Scotty and I said in my mind, I want a relationship. I don't want to be single anymore. I want to get married. I want what all these other people have. I don't want to be single girl anymore. I don't. I hate it. And this is big. I hate it. That's you... not cool. Being single sucks. And the fact that you forgave mom, I forgave dad, mom and dad, forgave mom and dad, and, and said I want love. So would you would you recommend therapy to everybody? Yes, everybody, everybody in the whole planet, because you're able to talk to somebody who doesn't know you, and they give you the best advice. And it's not advice to do things; it's to think about it. To they make you, you duck, think about it. You duck well. I'll yeah. never forget it. Yeah. Yeah. My mom said the biggest uh, game change or the biggest monumental moment in her life is when she went to a therapist to try to work it out with my alcoholic, non-existent, selfish dad. He went to the bathroom and the therapist, while he was in the bathroom, looked at her and go, what are you doing? You're in the position you're in right now because you're allowing this to happen. Stop it. She goes, it was the last therapy session I ever had and I, we, we, I opted for a divorce like the next day. Correct. She Correct. says, you're in this position because you're choosing to stay in. You're allowing this man to treat you like this. It's over. But get a good therapist and make sure that you do your due diligence to therapy. Correct. Because there's some good ones and some bad ones. Right. But it's about talking to somebody who, because you can talk to people you know all day and they're going to tell you what you want to hear. Yeah, exactly. Okay. But this is talking to somebody you don't know. That's right. And they, and they give you the, they, they, the, I went to get the tools to make better decisions. Yep. So go to make to make better decisions because I was not making good decisions in my life when I went. And I went different times in my life. Right. But the last time was the biggest one. And then the other thing that she did too, and this is very important for, for people like me if you're out there. So I also said, I don't have a dad. And she said, what do you mean you have a dad? She says, you always talk about your mom. I said, I don't have a dad. She goes, yes, you do. And I said, well, she goes, was there any good times? Are there pictures? And I said, yeah, there were until I was four. And she goes, well, you do have a father. She said, so where are the pictures? I said, my mom has them. She says, well, be very careful. You don't want to go to your mom and say, I want the pictures because those are your mother's pictures. Those are your mother's memories too. She said, go ask if you can make copies mm. of the pictures and then put the pictures up because that's your father. You have a father. He may not have been the father you wanted him to be, 
but you had a father. So I have pictures of my dad, along with pictures of my family and my mom, even though he was not in my life. Because I have a father. The moment I realized and mm. said, I have a father, then I could love a man. Wow. Because instead, I, I don't have a dad. Then I had a thing about men because he hurt me and he wasn't the perfect dad for me. And then I had the less than excellent stepdad. And then I had the horrible boyfriends. But as soon as I forgave everybody and then I forgave me for making all the bad decisions and said, now this is what I want. And everything in my life that I've wanted that has been good for me that I've wanted and I've said, I want this, I write it down. I'm very clear what I want. I get it. Absolutely, and I believe in that. You write it down, be specific. Don't, I want a man. I want a kind, gentle, um, what did I say? Uh, financially stable. <laughs> I need that. I need somebody. He made me financially stable. Wayne was the one who taught me to live within my means. You don't need to pop popping bottles. Yeah, yeah. Putting it on the credit card. Good I've been Wayne. debt free. Except for the, we have the house, but other than yeah, that, I don't right. have, I don't balance on credit cards. Uh-uh. Could no old, way. Could, First could time old. my whole life. That's Wayne. That's Wayne. No. Wayne is the Made best. Made me. And I, but back to me being a better person, I had to decide that I wanted to be the person he wanted to marry. Right. So I had to start acting like it. That's, I had to stop cursing, except here. I had to stop cursing so much. That's the key. Is to attract a quality human being like Wayne, you had to be the quality woman that a guy like he Wayne. Wanted. And you want to know why he said right. he fell in love with me? He saw my champagne and purses party. And he saw the way that I managed the party and how I treated people and how I was doing something good for the world and how it all came together. And he was enamored by it. And he fell in love with me and said, wow. And he said, but it's how I treated people. Because there he paid attention to how I treated people. Yes. And how I treated the people who work for me, and also they understood my crazy part and how I freak out, and I blah, 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 but it's not personal. Right. But also how I had a kindness in the world, and that's how he fell in love with me. He didn't fall in love with me because I was having parties at the Playboy Mansion. He didn't fall in love with me because I popped bottles and because I got in first in line at the club. All the other guys did. Right. He yeah. fell in love with me for who I was because he saw me for who I was and not the party and not partying for a purpose and not the charity. He saw me for me finally. Okay, and I saw him as somebody who was an outsider who loved me for who I truly was. He saw me cry, he saw me scream, he held my head when I threw up. He, he knows my past, everything about my past. I told him everything the month in the phone. I tried to scare the crap out of him. I thought, you know what, tell him everything now because you're gonna find out once you come to San Diego. Yeah, tell him everything now. Tell him I use cannabis. I'm in San Diego, I can talk about it. I use cannabis for pain. I'm in terror. My health is bad. You have to deal with the fact that I may not live as long as you. You know, I'm lucky to be lived this long. I almost died after we got married. You what, know? Ha what happened there? I, I have a blood disorder that I didn't know I had. And I was toxic. My ferritin level was uh, nearly, I don't know, like 1,500 and it should be 50. That's the amount of iron in your blood. I can't, wow. I store iron in my body. I can't get blood out of my body. So I store it. And it caused arthritis. It caused my back issues. I have arthritis all throughout my body. I can barely walk when I wake up. Um, I, uh, but I thought I had cancer because I couldn't. I didn't hold down food for a year. Oh wow! And I just didn't tell anybody. 
Yeah. And he couldn't take it anymore. And I went to the doctor, and then we found out. And then I started going for phlebotomies. I have to go for. I went for a phlebotomy every week for happy hour, by myself. Once in a while with someone else for about a year and a half. So everyone thought I got married and just like didn't go out anymore. It's because I couldn't go out. I was getting uh, 500 cc's of blood taken out of my body, trying to get me down to 50. So it took about two years. So that's where they they take blood. They out take of blood out of my body. I have nice yeah. track marks, and then my body produces new blood. Right. That seeks out the the uh, stored iron. And then they drain me again. And then every 53 days, now I go to the blood bank and I donate blood. And they want my blood because it's full of iron. And it's hereditary. Um, it explains why my father died at 49 and we didn't, he was an alcoholic, but we didn't really know why at 49. Yeah. That's really bad. He, more than likely he had this <coughs> because it's hereditary. Wow. And it'll kill men. Women, because when we get into our teen years, we bleed with our period. Now, understand, as a child, I was sick. I had scarlet fever. I had measles. I had chicken pox. I had a staph infection, asthma, allergies. I was sick all the time because of the iron, but they never know. Mm. And then I got my period, and I wasn't sick anymore. And they're like, oh, you grew out of everything. Well, it's because I was regularly donating blood, basically. Yeah. yeah. Okay, wow. but then at 49, 49 years of iron had built up, and I was going into menopause. And so then my body couldn't take it anymore. And that's when my body shut down. And then I had to start with the, the phlebotomies on a regular basis. But before that, I was very sick. Yeah, I went to bed at like 5 o'clock. No kidding. Uh, the arthritis was all through my body. And I was just ignoring it. And it, Wayne just was like, no, I can't, I can't. He couldn't listen to me throw up anymore. Oh, you were throwing up. Yeah, I couldn't hold down food because there was so much iron in my body. And then, and then my blood was clotting, and I was just, I was sick. And I just, the champagne and purses party, I, I was sick. I was supposed to go to the doctor. And I went, I, they said, you have to come in to the oncologist immediately. And I said, I have a party tomorrow. I can't come. And they said, okay, come Wednesday. And at the party, I was sick. I had, oh, I look fabulous. I had hair, makeup, everything. I was sick at that event. And everyone thought, well, she gained a little weight. Because I was fluffy because I was holding everything in. Yeah. And uh, I look at the pictures and I laugh because I looked great. But I was sick. And um, I went, we went and I, for brunch the next day, because I figured if they're going to tell me I'm going to die, I might as well have a couple cocktails in me. And we went, Wayne went with me and they said, we think you have this disorder and we're going to drain you today. We're going to start today. And we started that day. And it was my father's birthday. That day? That day. Wow. I went on my, I found out I had it and I started the draining on my dad's birthday. So that's the day that it was my father's birthday, yeah. The 29th of June. And this this is over the last... This was 2015, 16. 16, okay. So we've been married two years. And it, now it, I control it myself. I don't even see doctors for it because they don't know crap about my disorder. I take curcumin. I drink caffeine when I have iron in my food. And I when part of the moving to Florida was because the arthritis is all through my body and I have a hard time walking and all that, but I won't be disabled, is swimming. Oh, really? So we have a pool, and I do my aquatic therapy every day. So that has helped me. When I first got there, the three steps out of the pool, I couldn't step out of the pool by myself. That's how bad arthritis. my back and my legs are, yeah. Wow. But now I can step out of the pool by myself. That's how strong my legs have become. And then I've lost weight because I'm in the pool, I'm in the office, yeah. I'm in the pool, I'm in the office. I don't have the crazy California lifestyle anymore. I'm not going to brunch, I'm not running here, I'm not driving on the freeway. I go to the store once a week. 
I garden. I have a succulent garden. Wow. Those air plants, I have trees full of air plants. I have pineapples I'm growing. I'm growing. I have lizards, and we have rabbits, and we have and squirrels. How long, how long have you been there now? Uh, it'll be a year, October 29th. And, and go, I want to go back here because you said your life changed forever. When my brother died. What do you mean by that? Because he was my best friend. And what did it change about your, like your, maybe your view on life or? It changed everything about my view on life. I never thought I could take a vacation. And then after he died, I took, I said, nothing matters. I can take a week off. Yeah. Life will, the rest, everybody can just forget it. And I, I stopped. I, I literally stopped in my life. I stopped and realized everything could change in a second. Yep. And the man of our family was gone, right? So I had to take a different role in my family, right? And then I had to deal with the grief, but be there for my mom and my sister, yeah. right? But, and be strong. And I still cry every day. I still, I talk to him. He talks to me through songs. Does plays songs on the radio. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? Oh, he plays songs on the radios all the time for wow. me. Motivational songs. Uh, his song was Eye of the Tiger. Oh, yeah. So I'll get in, in the car and I'll be somewhere and I won't put, I'll just put um, Amazon radio on and I'll put, you know, rock, Yacht Rock or something else on. I'll put something random or just put the local radio station. Eye of the Tiger comes on. And that's his motivation to me. He'll tell me, go, go, go. But he's, and then I also ask him to have, <laughs> so the year that we gave half the award, have had to decide if he was going to accept the award from us. Okay? Right. It's a really big thing. So what I did was I sat and I said, please, Scotty, I summon you to take over Hugh Hefner's body for one day. I know you want it longer, but for just one day and say yes. So I asked him to intervene and to come into my life and be with me. Like before the party on Friday yeah. when I was freaking out yeah. because it was such a big undertaking. Right. And I was to the verge of throwing up and I was shaking and I was just, uh, and I was having hot flashes and I made the sign of the cross and I just said, Scotty, please, Scotty, please, please help me, please help me, please help me. And I call and he's with my dad. And so we've scattered their ashes all over the world too. So crazy enough, we have my brother's ashes that are in a humidor. <laughs> yeah. And then my dad's ashes appears. His sixth, fifth, sixth wife, he was married six times. His her, her, the wife's daughter calls. Okay, when my real quick story, when my dad, after my dad died, his wife wrote this little handbook on how to live with an alcoholic and put our names in it, and my mom freaked out and stopped it. Okay, so all the stuff was left well, with right, her. Right, right. What a, book? a little booklet, yeah. a book about how to live with an alcoholic, but it had our names, my, and about my dad, and that it was he survived by Christy, Angie, and Scotty. Yeah, Brandon. Okay, got it. Okay. Mom stopped the book. Okay, got an attorney. Stop the book. You're not putting my kid's name in this. You're not doing it. Years later, Scotty dies. Okay, then 4th of July, my sister gets a phone call. I'm Angela Brannon. I'm not Angie Brannon anymore. Scotty Brannon is gone. There's only Christy Brannon left. Right. Okay, if you look at that book. So we get a phone call. Christy gets a phone call, and this woman says, Are you Christy Brannon? And Christy says, Yes. Was your father Bud Brannon? Nobody ever calls. Bud Brannon, okay. Okay, yeah. Well, my mom was married to your dad, 
and we have your dad's ashes. And I didn't know what to do with them. So I called a some radio show, a religious radio show, and they told me we should find you. So I found the book that my mom wrote because it was with the ashes. And I looked you up on the internet and I found your phone number and I called and would you like your father's ashes? My dad died in 1985. Okay, here come the ashes. So here we this have the crazy. ashes of my brother and my dad again. So we scatter them everywhere. I take them, we put them all over the world. Everywhere I go, I take ashes and put them there because then their spirit is all over the world. In Amsterdam, Mexico, there are different places. We were in Mexico and we put them at the point of this golf course and it was the, 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 this one point, we put the ashes there, put them in Coronado, put them in Barcadero Park because Scotty and I used to sit there and talk. So I put the ashes wow. everywhere. Yeah. So he's with me everywhere. All the time, my brother is. And my dad too. But my brother more. And I ask him, but if you want to know what my brother's like, take a look at Wayne. Wayne has my brother's characteristics, the kind, don't want to be the showman, don't need to be in, you know. Wayne he's, is such a cool cat. He's the best man in the whole world. He's my savior. And, I, and back to the girl thing, I say every moment of every day, the best thing that ever happened to me is my husband, and I worship him, and I honor him, and I tell him every day, and it doesn't go a moment of every day that I don't tell him how much I honor him and I appreciate him, and I couldn't do what I do without him. And I don't mince words. Every day I make sure that he knows that, ever. And the women who get lazy about it, you're going to lose your man. Got to stay on top of that. Listen up. Every day. And keep your role as a woman. Look cute. Get dressed up. Say, take me to dinner, even if it's to the park on a park bench. You look cute. Yes, he loves you without makeup, but he sure does love you with makeup. He does. They, he, they do. But I'll tell you what, the same way as I love him when he's in his underpants. And, but I do love him when he puts that suit on. Ooh. And he puts his uniform. Oh, my God. My underwear fly off. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. I know. Is this like Joe Rogan? Are we like five hours yet? No. This not, is like Joe Rogan. We're getting there. I know. And I keep, I keep thinking they're going to cut me off. No. But it's. He'll start giving me the thing. I know. That he'll I be like that. And is the music going to start? He'll like look, the he, Academy looks, he, he looks at me from over there and starts going. He'll, yeah, he gives me the. No, you're my usual length. This is, a, this no, is how we do it. The thing is, is that, I mean, I was a total, uh, as a woman, you know. Yeah, so give, fin let's finish on this topic because I think this is the most irrelevant thing that you could we could possibly ever talk about because everybody is like, Rachel and I have been together for 21 years and people ask me advice. People ask me, how do you do it? What's the trick? What's this? And everything that you're saying and I and what you just said, and by the way, that goes for the men too. Men, mm. you know, tell your woman, and I need to do this more often with Rachel because we're just coming. Because when you're living a crazy lifestyle of mm. business ownership, two kids, sport, 105 sports, we literally mm. come and go. We see each other date in the morning, night. right? That's why I do the date. You nights. have your date night. I do the date night sermon every pretty much almost every week or every other weekend. I give the sermon to the the gentleman out there to take your your queen. Make the reservation. Take it charge. Doesn't have to be expensive. Doesn't have to be. And you can also do it in a room in your make house. Make the effort. You can do it in a room in your house you can. and tell everybody, "Go away. Don't get, talk to us." Get the kids a babysitter. You can, you can do. You can make it happen. You can yeah. go to a park. You can go. You can go to a drive. -thru. I don't have drive-throughs in California anymore. You can do whatever you want. Okay, it's about quality, right. but it's about appreciation. And if you don't have that, but I'm gonna get. I'm sure I'm gonna get some hate. I don't care. 
You got to have your roles. Okay? I, I preach this all the time, I'm Angela. Sorry. I preach this all I, I the time. I hate that about what's going on in our world today. And I love, I believe in equality. Equality is different. Equality is everybody's equal and everybody has an equal footing. Roles are different. Right. Know who you are. Okay. Yep. I am a soft, compassionate. I love being a woman. I love cooking for him. I love it when he takes a bite and says, this is the best food I've ever had. I love folding laundry because I know that it's part of what we have to do as life. He cleans. Hallelujah. Thank God. It's the best thing ever. I almost cried when he said, I felt guilty. And I thought, oh my God, I, I feel guilty. I should be cleaning. He's like, no, it's, it's me. Okay, good. I'll go do something else. God bless him. I can go garden because it makes me happy. Yeah. But find those things. And the most important thing, forgive, but don't curse. When I find couples that are dating, I tell them right away, like we'll be out somewhere and they'll, oh, we're on our first date. Don't curse. <laughs> you can't take it back. If don't you curse call at each him other. the A word yeah. to each other, yeah. if you call him the A word or a SOB or whatever, you can't take it back. Mm, it's true. And it sits. You can call your friends and you're, you call me, come on, my bitches, and whatever. But it sits with someone you love and you can't take it back and it sits there. And then you got to up one for the next time. And the next thing you know, you're in full-blown mode of disrespect, and you can't go back. And in a relationship and in, in, in a marriage, it's all about compromise. And especially, I had to learn compromise because we had been living apart all these years. Right. Suddenly, I had to, like, I don't want that picture on the wall. And I had to put my foot down. Yeah. I hid all his pictures. <laughs> but, but it's more about that. It's about respect. And it's about every day. I love you. I care about you. What is important to you? Having those moments and 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 family, and being that person for them with the family, encouraging them. Yep. Got to call the family. We got to do this with the family. He, you know, being part of that. But most importantly, it's the financial responsibility, kindness. Don't live out without your outside of your means. You don't have to do it, and don't give a crap what anybody else thinks. Okay, because nobody else pays your mortgage. Exactly. And so for those in a relationship right now that are wondering, well, they, they know. You know. You know. They know in their heart that this isn't the right person. Okay, here's the thing that one of the best, one of the best, most important things I've ever told. What's the difference between right and wrong? Uh, probably an opinion. <laughs> when you're wrong, you got to think about it. Huh. Because when sense. it's right, you know. When it's wrong, you think about it. Okay. So you know. Now nobody's perfect. Okay. But you have to make a list. Okay. So all the people out there, you're not sure. Make your list. When do you say, okay, let's work on it because there's there's hope here. There's deal breakers. Okay. Because not everyone's broken, especially in this world. Everyone's broken. I was not. I. I. I, Here's okay. I have my mom and I fight. Okay. We've always fought. We have this thing. Every other man in my life, I would then fight with them, and then they would fight back with me because I would. It, it would follow through onto them, okay? One night, I got in an argument with my mom. Wayne's in the living room. We're not married yet. I come out, look at him, and s- said something. I said, you don't even care because you don't even love me. And I go back in the bedroom, and I take everything out of the dresser and start folding it, okay, which is not me at all, okay? The thing would never happen. Wayne comes in, and instead of him being every other man in my life, 
who came in that had long-term relationships and he would come in and say, what's your effing problem? Why you gotta be a B word, da da da. Wayne came in, took my hands, looked at me and said, honey, who are you talking on the phone to? And I said, my mom. He said, are you okay? Because I know something's wrong. Because he didn't think of himself, he thought of me. Okay? Yeah. So you have to be in a relationship and you have to be with someone who doesn't always think about themselves. Right. They think about you and think about you first. Okay. Wayne is a very religious man. Okay. I'm not, but I don't question him on his religiousness because his being a man of God keeps him from gambling, cursing, over drinking, drugs, lying, cheating, stealing. And so I'm not going to mess with that. Right. Just because I don't believe in his right. particular religion. But he also accepts me for who I am, and I believe in the force. And I believe in goodness, and I believe in energy, and I believe in that. And he accepts me for who I am, and then encourages me, and we love each other for who we are, and we're, com- we're the yin and the yang. Yeah. Okay? And yet... Because we have that multiple, that mutual respect and that love for each other, and I have such admiration for him as a man first and a friend, but as a man, like I, I, I honor him as a man, yep. okay? Because <clears throat> yep. he yep. takes care of me. He takes care of me. I, I sit at my desk for hours. That man brings me a bowl of grapes. <laughs> he knocks on the door, brings me grapes. Brings, do you have water? Brings me water. Sends me text messages. And then comes in, dinner will be ready in about 10 minutes, just letting you know so you know, so you have enough time so it's ready. And there's dinner served. I get done with dinner. He does the dishes. I finish my work. We go for a swim, watch something on TV. I go to sleep. Okay? Because he adores me, and I adore him, and we have that. We don't fight. Our fight lasts. Oh, here's another one. If you fight, come on. Get over it. You get over it fast. Fast. Right. Less than five minutes. Yeah. And give in. Don't be stubborn. Yeah. Don't be a dumb poophead. Don't be an idiot. Don't be an idiot because yeah. you know you're wrong. Yeah. So say you're wrong and say, you know what? I was wrong. Yeah. This is stupid. And then we have the five second rule. If you say something stupid, you have five seconds to take it back. <laughs> I lost my mind. I don't even know what the hell I said just right now. I do that with my family too. And I tell them they do the same thing with me. Five second rule. If you say something <laughs> stupid, you got five seconds to take it back. I think I need, might need 10. Because you know as soon as it comes out of your mouth, you better take it back now <laughs> because it's going to be a fight. It's going to yeah. be a problem. Yeah. But it's about knowing who you are. That's funny. Knowing yeah. who you are. Yeah. Like Rachel knows who she is. Oh, yeah. She knows she's a drop-dead, gorgeous, kind, wonderful mother, but she also knows who her husband is. Yeah. Okay? And she loves you for who you are right. because you are the man in the family, but yet She's the woman, and she takes care of shit. So it's not like yeah. you do everything. You don't run everything. Right. Okay? Because you want her to take care of stuff, because it doesn't get done without oh, yeah. her. Yeah, correct. Okay? Yep. But when it comes to man stuff, damn straight. Yeah. We, we clearly how, how define do, our roles. How, how, do you, how do you think, that, how do you want a man to protect you? Okay? Yeah. If you don't let him be a man. Right. Because you certainly were out on, were out on the street. Okay, if I'm going to beat him down in the house, how am I going to think that he's going to protect me out in the street? <laughs> right. No. Okay, so if I beat this man down in the house and then we're out somewhere and somebody speaks disrespectful to me, you think he's going to back me up? No. Heck no. But I'll tell you what, if that's my man 
and I respect him for being my man, and I'm his woman. There's no way, no how. Oh, man, it happened once. Oh, God, Wayne just stood up. Yeah. You know Wayne's tall guy. It's, oh, yeah. Just this man said something to me, and Wayne stood up. Yeah. And I smiled. Let him have it. No, he just didn't say anything. He didn't say a word. He just stood up and stood right next to me, and I went like this. I love that. I didn't say I anything. I said, are you done now? You can go. And, and ladies and gentlemen, listen to this. Listen to this. So we, we've had some incredible. I per- talked about stuff I've not well, talked about. Well, the pearls here of the relationship thing has been so powerful, I think, right, during, during this interview here, because it's so, and the biggest thing you said was it, to attract Wayne into your life, you needed to take care of your stuff first. Like you never to- would have attracted him ever. Had you I not had forgiven your pull, dad? Oh, absolutely. And be ready for a relationship and be ready to have someone in my life and say, I want it. I want this. And forgiving your dad was- a, And my mom, both. And your mom. And, especially my dad. Listen to that. That right there alone. I had to forgive alone. my dad because he was not perfect. He was not close to perfect. He was who he was. And he's gone. And I can't bring- He's, not, he's gone. So what am I going to do? Be angry? I forgive him. He's gone. He did what he could. And you know what? I got dimples. He gave me dimples. I got yeah. brains. Yes. I got height. And I got my personality. And I got my work ethic from my mom. I got good genes. And um, and I thank them that I came out of love. Okay? I love that. And they couldn't make it work. But my mom was the mom. My mom was the mom and the dad. And she did it, uh, but she also told us that she loved my dad, even though he was bad to her. She said she loved him. It was the love of her life, that she loved him. She adored him, that she wished that it could have been something different, but she never, uh, you know, we knew he had, he, we knew who he was. Yeah. You know, we knew he had his problems, yep. but she never, she also protected us because he was not good with visitation. So she wouldn't let us see him. Because he would be drunk, and she feared for our safety, so there she had to live with that as well of not letting us see him. Right, which which caused a lot of problems with us because we were mad, because I didn't understand it then because I saw it from my point of view, not her point of view. Yeah, her point of view was protection. She's mama bear, you know my mom. She's oh, yeah. mama bear to the end. Oh, good lord, she'll scratch and tear and rip you up protect her babies and so let's finish with this give me give me something for people watching like because i mean you're what 55 oh my gosh can't drive 55 that's why i got the wrinkles but i don't won't give me one pearl before we leave for the watchers and listeners you've already given like a hundred especially with the relationships but for those that are going after it in life right now and they're they're taking it maybe a little too seriously they're getting a little impatient they're in their 30s their 40s Give, give them a word of advice as they're on their journey going forward, whatever they want to do. And well, you go, you know, you go through your ups yeah. and downs and you go through your different patterns. You think you're going to be on one path and then it turns in another and COVID taught us that. Correct. Be true to yourself. But the one, you know, as much as I say that, you know, I had a less than excellent stepfather, he did give me one piece of advice yeah. that I didn't understand when I was young because I was young. I didn't understand it, but I do now. And it, co- and it overflows into every part of your life. He said... Don't F around. Okay. So we'll take that. Okay. Pay attention to that in business. Okay. Because if you, if you fuck around. Yeah. Okay. You don't get anything done. 
in business, in your relationships, in your marriage. You have no honesty. You have no integrity. You don't have anything if you fuck around. So don't fuck around. Because, you know, here's a business thing. I don't do business. I, I don't like to do business with people who cheat on their spouses. It's okay. a good rule. See, if you cheat on your spouse, you're going to cheat on me. Yeah. Because that's the person that's supposed to, you're supposed to love more than anything in the whole world. Okay? So don't fuck around. Because if you fuck around in your relationship, you're going to fuck around everywhere. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry to have to say the F word. Sorry. I dropped the F bomb, but there's no other way to say it. That's a pretty good way to end this don't interview. Fuck around. Don't F around. Don't F around. Because if you don't, you, you live it's a great life. And pay attention. That It's all-encompassing. Mm-hmm. It involves everything. Live with integrity, live with responsibility, with accountability, uh-huh. or just don't F around. Real Deal Talk, ladies and gentlemen. Angela, Bran- Angela Brandon, I love you, baby. I'm so happy. Oh, you and one other thing. I had to beg to be on this show, by the way. You did not. I said, I want to be on your show. And he said, you need to watch the other ones. And I was like, he did not just say that as if I'm not. I never said I that. I am not able. What? Of course, I can't wait for part two. Oh yeah, because then we can talk about some of the other stuff. Oh, I'm gonna tell no. you really about JD in his okay. younger years. <laughs> this isn't about me. This no, is... and thank you, and I appreciate being able to talk about the charity and talk about myself. Yes, talk yes. about things that I've not talked about ever. Yeah, I mean, I haven't talked about. I don't talk about my my past relationship and the abuse and yeah. and all of that. And and uh, this was a therapy session too. Of course, yeah. And yeah. and it's good to talk about it. Absolutely. Um, you can't heal unless you talk about and it. And it makes me the woman that I am today. That's right. And that's part of my relationship that I had with the children when I mentored. Yep. Because as soon as they found out where I'd come from and that my brother was gone, then I was on the same level as them. That's right. And then suddenly I wasn't just some lady that came in. And, and that's why I dig into these backstories and bring up stuff that people haven't talked about. Because once it comes out, not only are you healing by it, by saying it. But other people are going to look at your story and go, oh, whoa. And then all of a sudden they identify more with you and the, the story becomes that much more powerful that they're actually going to listen to and take your advice. And the number one advice this entire podcast is don't F around. Don't F around. It's that simple. And pay attention. And pay attention. Pay, pay attention. attention. Pay attention. Listen to your gut. You know. You know. You know. Right. If it's and if right, you have to, And if you have to think about it. It's wrong. It's wrong. If you have to think about it. It's wrong. Mm-hmm. And you think, because you know right away. If right? You have to, I love that. Just between right and wrong is if you have to think that. about it, it's wrong. I'm, I'm speaking today at my church, and I'm going to say that quote right there. If you have to think about it, it's wrong. It's wrong. Okay. That's, I'm, that's I'm, an Angelaism. I'm going to use it today at church. I'm speaking in front of a group of, uh, oh. yeah, I'm mentoring a, a, a group of uh, marketplace leaders within the church. Nice. And so. congratulations on that. Thank you. I, I'm, Thank you. I'm happy to see you yeah. take that path. And it's, I'm, it's uh, made, yeah, it's, I can see, I mean, you've always been an amazing, incredible man, but uh, it's another part of your life, yeah. you know, that I, and I see it in people and I, and I, I think it's great because it makes you stronger yep. and, uh, and it also puts things in perspective, it I does. think. And yeah, I think the last does. three years or whatever, many years, I think we've all learned uh, a lot of perspective. Perspective at know? any given moment. Anything can change and turn upside down. Everything does, you know. So just fire away and 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 don't f around. And say I love you. And say I love you Dana, all the time, every day. Don't be afraid. All right, girl. Speaking, I love you. I love you. Thank you. I for love coming you on. back. Finally, Thanks. you came on. And you're like the only person that can get me up this early to drive through traffic. 
Oh, I'm looking at that bottle of Don Julio. Yeah, I'm it's thinking, got your name on it. I know. I said, what time is it? Look, what time is real it? Real deal talk, ladies and gentlemen. We better cut this down now before we keep going. <laughs> all right, and remember, it's all about the kids. It's all about the kids foundation charity. Let's do it. Peace. <laughs>